And good morning. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn. He's Griffin. And back with us this Friday is our friend Stan the Fan Charles. Good morning, sir. How are yeah, you? For one last time. This yeah. is it? This is the... Like, are you predicting death? No. no. I was going to say, God, that is dark. Dark. Very dark. Dark. Very dark. dark. It's dark outside. It's unpleasant today. a sleep. You know, that makes two of us. My kid's still recovering from having his tonsils taken out, and so he's oh, used God. it as an excuse to just sleep in our bed, like, every night. And um, He likes that. Yeah, it's 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 a bit much. It's getting to be. I, I literally. Any chance next week I could. Yeah, I'm you think my, that'll help? Yeah. No, could I sleep in your right, bed? Right, come over and sleep in the bed. I don't know, man. It might help you. It ain't helping me. I know that much. Ugh. All right. Uh, coming up this morning, we are going to preview Ravens, Browns, press boxes, Bo Smolka, of course, Gerard Sherry, three-time Super Bowl champ, now with ESPN Radio out in Cleveland, and in just a second, our friend Brian Baldinger from Compass Media Networks. He will be on the national radio call for Ravens, Browns on Sunday. He will help us get ready for the game. Today's show brought to you, of course, by our friends at Superbook. And as we stand here at this moment, just two days away from Ravens-Browns and the Ravens returning to AFC North play, the line has moved up to six and a half. It's up to six and a half. Six and a half. Ravens favored by six and a half. If you say that that number is too large, which is what Stan the Fan Charles feels. I said it at six. To me, it felt a little... So now it's even bigger. If you say that number too big, then what I would encourage you to do is go right now to Superbook.com or download the Superbook app. Use the code GlennClark23 or StanCharles23, and when you sign up, you'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. There is an old adage in sports betting that when a number moves Bet it the way it's right. moving. Right. Somebody knows something. Something, and the heavier money, money is yep. coming. Exactly right. Maybe so, that's our, our smart You think money. it's my? Well, I was yeah, on the Yeah, that's so right. Yeah. It might be the case. Yeah. Uh, again, Superbook.com or the Superbook app. Use the codes Clark 23 or StanCharles23. Ravens-Browns on Sunday here in Baltimore. Joining us now, our friend who will be on the national radio call for Compass Media Networks. He is Mr. Brian Baldinger, and he's back with us here on the program. Baldy, it's Glenn. Stan Charles is in studio with us this morning. Thank you, as always, taking the time for us, sir. Uh, my pleasure, guys. Good to be with you. Thanks. It's good to chat with you. Before we get into it, obviously, we have to do like a deep breakdown on last night's thriller. I know you were you were loving life sitting around watching that just unbelievable contest between the Bears and Panthers last night. It's... Well, I was trying to, like everybody else. But, you know, the, the Panthers' offense is just broken. And Chicago's isn't a whole lot better, although, you know, they move the ball a little bit more. But uh, that's where we're at in this league right now. I mean, you're seeing a lot of bad offenses. And either that or we're seeing just tremendous defense. And I don't think that was the case last night. So some good individual performances, but a tough one to, to, to sit through and to study all morning. I'm assuming that you're expecting much better on Sunday between the Ravens and the Browns, particularly this Ravens team, Baldy. How has this happened? How have they gone from a team that we were concerned about after the Colts game, after the Steelers game, to being a team that's doing just about everything right right now? Mm, well, it starts with their defense. The defense has been um, just shut down. 
uh, and it's everything. It's, you know, they what Mike McDonald is doing pre-snap, really not showing anything about what they're going to do until the snap. And so it's tough on quarterbacks like Geno last week, you know, like Jared Goff a couple weeks ago. Um, they're getting the ball, and then they're discovering, okay, is this a matchup zone? Is this quarters? Is this what, – what is this that I'm looking at? And all of a sudden they're taking your receivers away, and here comes this fierce pass rush, you know, in a variety of different ways, whether it's blitzes, whether it's, you know, Matabike just, you know, overpowering people or clowny. I mean, it's just they're coming at you in a lot of different – so it starts offense. And then I think, you know, they've, they've figured out their, they're figuring out, they figured out their run game to the point where they lead the league now. And, and then the passing game has just steadily improved to the point where it looked pretty good last week. It seems to me, as you go back to the defense, that everything continues to date back to when Roquan Smith showed up last year. Because the beginning of the year last year, Baldy, we were very you know, much pedestrian. Defense. Right, and almost concerned about the direction. How, how have you been able to define the impact? To take nothing away from Mike McDonald or any of these other players who are having great seasons, Geno Stone, Justin Matabike, but the impact that the arrival of Roquan Smith has had on the Baltimore Ravens. Well, it was immediate. It was absolute immediate. He took control and his leadership as soon as he stepped into the locker room and onto the field. The first week, he led the team in tackles, and he got people lined up. And suddenly, Patrick Queen looked like a much different player. And so he's made everybody around him better, just much like franchise quarterbacks uh, have a tendency to do. He's made everybody around him better. Uh, they're not breaking down in the back end of their defense, large part because his command in his ability to bark out signals and get them lined up and into the right defense and communicate it all very, very quickly. I mean, he's just kind of a natural at that. Ball. And, you know, look, our ball, they'll all tell you that the day he got there, they became a completely different defense. Baldy, the, the, the effect, the impact he's had on Patrick Queen, I get that he's made him better, but can you explain a little bit, because I know you know that the X's and O's, you watch the 22 films, what has he done that, in a literal sense, to make Patrick Queen go from very, you know, sort of average player to being a yeah. guy that that we now would hate to lose? Well, I think the first part is, and this is not a knock on Patrick, but yeah. some guys are just better at making sure everybody is lined up. They, okay. they got the green dot for a reason. And I don't think Patrick Queen was very good at that. Uh, number one. And number two, I think he was thinking way too much about is he making the right calls, just the right check. And it just wasn't as natural for him. Okay. And so he doesn't have to do that now. Now he can just play and play fast. And he's working in tandem with a guy where, you know, the one thing we knew Patrick Queen could do is he, he's really fast. Yeah. Well, now he's able to play much faster because he's not doing any of the mental part. Roquan's done that. So I think that's part of okay. it. And then I think uh, there's a tandem there where they kind of split responsibilities, whether it's, you know, uh, man coverage or whether who's blitzing. And so I think it just plays to the strengths of Patrick Queen right now. So his, and, role, his role became much more defined. Roquan ended up defining his role for him. Well, I think so. I, I, I think that if you still said, okay, Patrick, you call the defense, like he might struggle to do that. Mm -hmm. it's not, not everybody is as vocal as um, – as in command, as Roquan is, Roquan is just a natural at that. And I think Pat, to, to Patrick, I don't think it was as natural. And I think it slowed him down um, trying to 
call the signals and make the checks and then still do his responsibilities. He is Brian Baldinger. He will be on the call Sunday for Ravens-Browns Compass Media Network's national radio broadcast. Baldy, to to what you said about the offense, the run game, I think the craziest part about it is they lost J.K. Dobbins, and we were genuinely concerned about that after week one. And we didn't see them maybe dominate the run for a little bit, but the play of the offensive line combined with the presence of Lamar Jackson – Look, we knew that the Ravens were going to run the ball really well when Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator because it was Greg Roman we were talking about. But how have they been able to do this as they've shifted into the Todd Munkin offense? Well, you know, they played without Morgan Moses last week. They have played without Ronnie Stanley. They have played without Tyler Linderbaum. But I don't think this offense in the run game is nearly as good as if Linderbaum isn't in there. He's just he's a difference maker. Guy just plays with tremendous leverage. He's blocking two guys on nearly every play, whether it's combo blocks or getting to the next level. I mean, he's he's the guy they need in the middle. He just uh, – everything kind of starts at the center position in the run game, and he's really good at what he does. And so I think they're winning the line of scrimmage right now. Zeitler is just so steady and so strong. Um, and so I think they've they've kind of worked around some of the injuries. Uh, and then I think they figured out which runs they like in each game and which ones work because they have a lot. I mean, a lot of it is still the same stuff that Greg did. Hmm. A lot of the misdirection, a lot of the counters, a lot of the stuff is the same. Uh, and Lamar is good at, you know, just dissecting where to go with the ball and who to give it to. And in the option game, he makes good decisions. Um, but I think, I think it starts really with Linderbaum in the middle. I mean, he just, he, he's just, He's just an unbelievable player, to be honest with you. He's probably as close to Kelsey in this business as we see right now. It's wild. I mean, of course, we saw the play last week where he you know, blocked a dude and then said, I want to get downfield and block him again. I just want to keep kicking the same guy's ass, yeah. uh, which is it, it was awesome to see. Um, I, I, you, I, when you bring up Lamar, in some games he hasn't been asked to do a ton, right? But he's been so unbelievably efficient. And, you know, we've used the term, like, orchestra conductor because by numbers alone, like nine touchdowns passing, I don't know that people would say, well, that's he's an obvious MVP, but I think we all agree that he'd be right there, if not at the top, then very close to the top of the MVP conversation. What, what have you noticed from him about his comfort in this offense and maybe his command of this offense that might be even greater than anything we've seen before? Well, I don't think he's ever had more fun than he's having right now. You can't get the smile. I mean, during the game, you, you can't get the smile off his face. He's having fun. Um, he makes everything look so dang easy. I mean, don't try to – whatever you do with Lamar, don't try to, like, fix him. Don't try to, like, get his feet right. And You know, I mean, because that's not how he plays. He's just an incredible athlete. But the ball's going where he wants it to go. That's the big thing. And the way the offense is being spaced, I mean, there's a lot of short throws. All right, but the ball's going where he wants it to go. He leads the league in completion percentage. I don't think anybody ever thought. Now, it's nine games into it, but I don't think anybody ever thought Lamar would lead the league in, in completion percentage like he does right now. I think that's part of the offense, part of the comfort of it. He's got to make a lot of decisions on play-action passes, where to go with the ball. He's concerted effort to stay right there behind the center and make those throws, but if he's got to get out of the pocket, nobody escapes the pocket like Lamar does. I mean, it's just he could be right in the eye of a storm. He's going to find the exit route. 
Um, and I think the, you know the next thing to come on this offense, and we saw it last week, is they got to get better at completing these deep passes mm-hmm. and these deep balls. And that's that's I think the one missing ingredient that could really you know take this offense to another level. And sometimes that's the last thing to come because it's just hard for receivers to go full speed on Wednesdays and Thursdays and judging where they're going to be. You just can't get that kind of a look. You get that look on Sundays when everybody's adrenaline is flowing and you're running these, you know, these double moves and, you know, these post corner routes and these speedo route combinations. And it's just, it's just hard to get that timing down because, because it's just hard to practice it like that. Sorry. Baldy, um, the last time I saw, I heard Keaton Mitchell's name was like back in, I think it was like back in August when I heard, boy, he can really make this team. But I really didn't see a lot of him in the preseason. But all of a sudden he got introduced Sunday. What is, what is the introduction of him and the change of pace that he brings? How does that complicate things for the opposing defense? Well, I, you know, I, I saw him against the Eagles, and he kind of popped against the Eagles. But then, you know, they put him on the shelf for eight weeks. Yeah. I saw him pregame, Stan, and I thought he was dressed because I thought, okay, they, they need somebody up on special teams. I never thought right. like he was going to get those runs in the second quarter. And those runs, in the, I mean, he got the whole drive, and they ran the ball right down, you know, Seattle's throats. And they thought they were going to be a lot better against the run with Leonard Williams in there, and they weren't. I see two things. I see one, he he must have incredible power, even at his size, because mm-hmm. he broke a lot of tackles. And then the fourth chasing him. Now, Tyreek Woolen ran the fastest 40 time at the combine that he run along. Uh, he's in the four twos, and he ran away. From, is he under a four four forty? But he plays fast, too. And I got to believe that he's going to be a big part of this offense this yeah. week against Cleveland. And, you know, maybe Justice Hill isn't the rotation back with Gus Edwards right now. Unfortunately, we continue to see those mesh point issues with uh, Justice Hill and Lamar Jackson. It feels like there's almost a natural opportunity to maybe uh, give some of those snaps somewhere else as those have continued. Uh, Baldy, I, I know you're a busy man. You're probably the busiest man in show business at this point. Besides Sunday's game, what else can we plug for you, man? Well, we do a, a daily All-City, uh, the All-City uh, Network, the All-City All-Football podcast every day with Anthony Gargano. And you can catch me on Odyssey Radio doing my own individual podcast and NFL Network and, uh, you know, Compass Media every Sunday doing the National Game of the Week. Can't wait to get to Baltimore this weekend for this matchup. And of course, at Baldy NFL on Twitter as well as how you follow him. We will see you Sunday for Ravens-Browns here in Baltimore. Brian Baldy, always Baldy. appreciate you. Yep, my pleasure, guys. Take care now. Enjoy the game. You too. It's Brian Baldinger with us here on GCR. Always informative. Oh, there is. There are few people that dive in in this business the way that Brian Baldinger does to get to the bottom of everything. Stan, I you know this week it's been such a, a weird kind of feeling around town where the numbers will tell you the Ravens are not just the best team in football, but one of the greatest teams in the history of football. <laughs> the numbers say that through nine weeks. They're the third best team in the history of football. Who are the other two? 
Thank you. I need yeah. to double check and try <laughs> to get. Uh, I think the undefeated Patriots were one of okay. them, if I remember correctly. And the Bears, maybe. Was it the Patriots or the Chiefs? Uh, was that one of them? I, no, I got. I'm trying to pull it up. All I, right. I'm was, sorry to ask. Questions. I know you put me on the spot when you say that. Damn Sam. it. Uh, I got it. Now I got to go five days back on it. Was Aaron Schatz from, um, you know, the, the, who was basically the godfather of analytics yeah. in football. Aaron Schatz, who shared this, but it was back on Monday. Well, so they are playing. They are playing some tremendous football right now. Uh, but and yet, I didn't see it coming. At, at the same time, it feels like there's almost a reluctance in town to accept. Like we, we're, it's well, almost like we're saying you're telling us they're this good. We we know they're good. You're right. But we're just not sure we believe right. you. Wait until the playoffs. That's what people are thinking. There's right a now. lot of that and I yeah. do feel like there is a burden that faces the Ravens unlike a lot of other teams I think the Bills face this type of burden I'm not sure I don't who think else. here's here's the deal though I don't think it faces the Ravens as much as it faces the the suspicions the waiting for the shoe to drop to me are all about Lamar because the teams leading up to those crushing playoff losses they looked better than this i think you know in a lot of ways well, i think the 19 team you could argue that yeah. for i don't know about any of the other ones i think the 19 team would be the one that you could say and again the numbers don't suggest it but i right. would be with just that the fact that they won all of the games the yep. fact that they went 14, they? 14, 14 straight games right. or 12 straight because they were they were yeah they were two and two and then they won 12 straight right. games so to end the regular season um, that one would be the one that you would say well you know if if you couldn't turn that into playoff success right. then how can we feel this comfort? I do think the entirety of this team feels it. And the more I talk to guys, they mm. all feel this, particularly the ones that have been here for a little while, like they thought they should go into Cincinnati and beat the Bengals in the playoffs last year, even without Lamar right. Jackson. Right. And, you know, given what we saw, they, they, had, every, they yeah. had every right to feel that way, that they were good enough to go win a playoff game even without Lamar Jackson. So I think this burden... I, I just think it's unique. Nobody needs to see the Kansas City Chiefs prove it in the play. We believe right. the Kansas City Chiefs it's will be there. Will be there because, and capable of winning. Because they've done it before. Yeah. Yeah. The the Detroit Lions are living sort of what the Orioles lived this season, which is it'd be great for their fan base if they saw it backed up in the playoffs. But just being relevant again is enough for people to say, hey, anything that comes after that is is sort of icing on the cake. The Ravens are living in this very unique situation where they're they're outstanding in the regular season, and yet we're all kind of just like, cool, cool. We're wake me up when you can prove that yeah. this is real, right? Yeah. Wake yeah. me up when you tell me how it is that I it's think, different this time. I think the most surprising part of the Ravens, though, has been the defense. You know, especially in light of those injuries. In training camp, in the defensive secondary, By the way, it was the it was the undefeated Patriots, okay, and the 1991 Redskins, who were nine and zero with Mark Rippon, and okay. they went on to win the Super Bowl against the Bills that okay. year. All right, so those were the, the Chiefs were fourth. Yeah. yeah, the 2018 Chiefs were fourth okay. on this list. This defense, though, has been I I don't think that Eric DaCosta will ever make a trade with as much impact than he did in the acquisition of Roquan Smith. It's, just it's hard. Been, to, it's hard to imagine how he could. Yeah, it's just <laughs> been. You know. Yeah, I, I, we. God, who did we talk to about He's this? The exact opposite of Jack Flaherty. Sure, sure, it is the exact opposite. <laughs> we had uh, Marvin on recently, and Marvin said he wasn't going to hide from the Ray Lewis comparison. Like, and yep. this is, 
you, you don't like making that comparison because we all, everyone yeah, that lived through the heyday of Ray Lewis understands that there has never been a non-quarterback that has had an impact on a franchise in the in this century the way that Ray Lewis has. Because even the greatest players at other positions, right, Adrian Peterson in Minnesota, that they couldn't turn that into winning because of simply the presence of Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. Ray Lewis's presence, despite not being a quarterback, related to winning directly and winning championship directly. No other individual player that was a non-quarterback had a similar... Some people have brought up Derek Brooks and that Buccaneers team that won a Super Bowl, and it's probably the closest Mm -hmm. that we could come to that. But it's it's extraordinary. In this century, as football has changed, that hasn't happened. So to compare to Ray Lewis is overwhelming. But we all saw what this looked like until Roquan Smith arrived. And the, the insane way that it's changed... And the belief that a lot of us had this year that the pendulum was going to have to swing and there got to be more of an offensive team because it looked like they maybe were going to take a bit of a step back defensively. They let Calais Campbell go. They let Marcus Peters go. They didn't do anything that was obvious right. to upgrade either of those positions. Now, as it turns out, the guys they picked up off the street at the end of free agency have been They've phenomenal. Been remarkable. Yeah. Um, and how much of that is them? How much of it is Mike McDonald? It's a very difficult line to yeah. walk. Um, the guys that they brought in, the veteran cornerbacks that felt like kind of nothings to us, Rocky Yassine, nobody notices, but Rocky Yassine has been great this season. He's been excellent this year. They're, I had a feeling with that name he was going to be that Just because good. he's got yeah. a good name, that, that would translate into him name. playing good yeah. football. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I did not see it coming with the defense, and it certainly has set things up. It's allowed them to go through a little bit of growing pains on offense. I mean, can you imagine if if Oway actually plays the rest of the season like he did last week? That would be very nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Boy, that would be awfully pleasant if they could add that into the mix as the year goes on, or if David Ajabo were to get back at some point and offer something, or if Tyus Bowser were to get back at some point and offer something. Like that's the the craziest part is the suggestion that they might be getting healthier. And of course, as I say that, we everything that we can find because we all know that can change in the course of one game and everything could go wrong very quickly i i i have to be willing to believe what my what the facts are and what my eyes are telling me this is a very good football team with without an obvious weakness and still room to get better to Baldy's point, Rashad Bateman was open downfield twice on Sunday with opportunities to hit yeah. those big, you know, downfield balls. And if they can close the gap a little bit on that and add that into the repertoire, my God. That's been the one thing that has been the biggest question mark of of Lamar's pro career is could he ever get proficient at the deep ball? I I think outside the numbers, there was a little bit of question about that. Early on, when it was him and Hollywood Brown, he was very much in tune on the deep ball with Hollywood Brown. Now, part of that was Hollywood Brown's sheer speed downfield. It was sort of like the old Tory, just go, right? Like, just go and we'll make it work. I think the only fair question has ever been, outside the numbers, can he make those those types of connections regularly? Yeah. Without it being Rashad Bateman's not Hollywood Brown, he's a different type of player, and it was part of when you put this wide receiving core together, you could say, "Hey, these are all competent players, and you like that." But 
none of them fit the just go. The, the sheer take the top off the defense, that's not what these guys' skill sets were. They were different types of players. So they've almost been kind of square peg round holing it right. to see who could be in that role. I think Bateman's a great option for that because of his catch radius on top of things. And I think Aguilar's doing well, a little bit of that you know he's he's yeah. been far yeah. better than i yeah. think we could have um, yeah. expected that nelson aguilar i've always liked aguilar i've always liked him um i why i guess <laughs> why yeah I, th- I thought he played very very well with the eagles yeah, yeah. when he was catching footballs yeah yeah he did a lot of not that he did a lot of putting the ball on the ground I didn't. Okay. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't have like a problem with them either. But you know, I didn't. I, I certainly didn't. I had no reason I, to hate him. Scr- I, I had scratched when they acquired him because yeah. they had just drafted yeah, Flowers and signed Beckham. But but as far as a a player, he well, seems I, to. He seems, and I think I think because the spotlight's not. Yeah, on him, I do think that's a big he, part he, of it. Yeah. He's able to somehow sneak out there and get open. He is as, as a fourth receiver, as a guy he's, to your point of who's taking advantage of. The attention that has to be right. paid to other guys. Yep. Yes, you can do way worse as a fourth receiver than Nelson Aguilar. And the Ravens have done dramatically. Worse. They've yes. done worse as a second receiver yeah. than the Nelson Aguilar in their not so distant future or recent yeah. history. Um, By the way, we had the uh, last night was the uh, yeah, Maryland the Hall of Fame, the Athletic Hall of Fame. It was really great to see Scott get yep. honored uh, for with the John Stedman Award. And it was really great to see Jermaine Lewis there, uh, basking in a little bit of glow. Clearly, he's not the star that a northern dancer is in no, horse of racing, not. right? Yeah, you know, and he whinnies a little bit, but but also he's not Adrian Dantley, he's not Dominique Dawes, but he really got to bask in a little bit of glory. And I know he's had a rough. Rough, uh, you know, he's uh, had a know, rough life. We had him on the other day, um, and his his it's a very unique Maryland story, right? Yep. Like we don't see regularly anyone in this situation who succeeded on all three levels. Who yep. was a, a <clears throat> high schooler here, college success here, pro success here. That just doesn't happen much of anywhere, yep. frankly. That it works out that way. So it's a very unique story, and um, yeah, it was a neat night. Yeah, and it was really neat when Scott. And Scott was up last. You know, he was he received his award last. And when he said that of all the plays he's called, the, you know, the probably the most electrifying play he's ever called doing play by play was his touchdown uh, kickoff return in the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl. Cool. And it was really That's neat very cool. that he said that. Uh, very entertaining talk for about seven minutes by Adrian Dantley, uh, especially about. <laughs> About the full court press that uh, Lefty had sure. on him, you know. I mean, he he said he he used to be able to he had access to going in the steam room there when he was a high school player, you know. And he go and he go, you can't you can't even see anything. And there's Lefty. Oh, Adrian, I didn't know you were in here. <laughs> I mean, doing everything in his power to yeah. try to try to make it happen. Yeah. And still couldn't get him. Yeah, he ended up out at Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, great stuff. That's cool. Very cool night. Yeah. Uh, I know how much that means and, to you. And, and Dominique Dawes was ter- terrific. She's lovely. She's, She's really a lovely terrific. person. Yeah. Really lovely person. Uh, today's show is brought to you by, well, actually just a reminder that we will be out this Sunday at Towson University for Project Game Day as they are hosting a very special Veterans Day event. It is 
for veterans, but it is open to everyone, and it's completely free all day long. A celebration. Is there an agility test? Uh, you don't have to pass it. There, there, it might be there, but you don't have to pass it, Stan. You're good. They have live music. They have a family fun zone, but they also have vendors that are veterans and, and job openings that are unique for veterans and service opportunities that are there for veterans and workshops and speakers that are meant for veterans. It is a day to celebrate our veterans, and then they encourage you to hang out afterwards right there in the University Union to watch the Ravens-Browns game, and then after the game, myself, KZ, and Femi Ion Badejo will be there, so you can also meet a Super Bowl champion, get your pictures, get your autographs. It is a day for veterans, but it's free food from Mission Barbecue. They're going to be giving away a pair of Ravens-Steelers tickets during the course of the day. All sorts of stuff going on, and the whole day is free. Free 99. Free. Come out. Show up starting at what 10 a.m. What does free 99 mean? Just another way of saying free. Oh, never, just heard it, never heard of it. Some of the kids say that that way. Really? Yeah. It starts at, I, I, I think, I don't really know. It's just something I've heard at some point along the line. Okay. Starts at 10 a.m. in the University Union at Towson. We will see you on And it's Sunday. free 99? Free 99 wow. when we come back in. We will be joined by Gerard Cherry, three-time Super Bowl champion. How could things be different for the Browns this time around than they were the last time they faced the Baltimore Ravens? We'll talk to him about that. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GLENNCLARK23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership of Press Box and Great Ace Memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, November 21st at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports, AJ Michaels, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Costas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steamed crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria. A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. 
Visit Hartford County. Gear up for the holidays by supporting local with Small Business Saturday on November 25th. Take in the dazzling sights of the season with a Ledoux Christmas at Ledoux Topiary Gardens. Enjoy holiday lights, sing along the holiday songs, reserve a carriage ride, and sit on Santa's lap in Bel Air's Winter Wonderland happening every Saturday from November 25th until December 16th. Nothing sparks that holiday joy quite like a festive parade. Head to visitharford.com and click on events to see the full list of parades and so much more. In Maryland, you're welcome. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Sure, Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. Stan, you've had a uh, a busy busy week. You've been doing a couple of shows this week. Who've you been talking to? Um, I had Ross Grimsley and Mr. Luke Jackson. On. Yep you you be doing that regularly on Mondays yeah. again? Yeah, this week we did it on Tuesday though because Ross had a golf yep. event down in uh, in Florida where he got to partner up with. Uh, Torres, Singleton, and Bumber. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but they were part of a larger Tom Gordon, Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon has a big event down cool. there, cool. so he he did that. And then um, I was able to talk to help me out, Chris Corman, the Chris editor. Corman, the sports editor of the Baltimore Banner. We chatted, uh, and this week uh, Ross and Luke and I are back on Monday, and then I'm taping on Tuesday. Jen Nelson will decide when to put it out, but we're taping uh, John Eisenberg, and we're going to chat. Have you had him on I already? I certainly have. Yeah. He came and did his hour in studio with right. us. Right. We're going to chat with him about Rocket Men. Yeah, that's the uh, new quarter or the new book about the history of black, black quarterbacks quarterback. in the NFL that John Eisenberg has out, and it is an extraordinary read. Uh, read who was, it the, cover fir- who cover. was the first? I remember Jefferson Street, Joe Gilliam. Yeah, Maxie Bond was at the beginning of it too. Yeah. And oh God, who am I blanking on? That there was, was one it, other guy before. Yeah, before that, Joe Gilliam, I think. Um, it, it's an it's an incredible yeah. it's an incredible book, <clears throat> incredible book, and I would encourage you to pick it up. But uh, that'll be chronicles a good of great change, mm-hmm. you know, yep. sea change in the way the no, game of football is no played. No question. All right, uh, Ravens-Browns on Sunday, and two black quarterbacks, of course, starting in that one. Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson, who was not on the field the first time the Ravens played the Browns this season. Let's head out to Cleveland right now. Friend of ours, a three-time Super Bowl champion, and a host on ESPN Radio in Cleveland. He is our friend Gerard Cherry, and he is with us here on GCR. Gerard, it's Glenn. Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with me this morning. Always appreciate you taking the time for us. Thanks so much. Uh, no problem, Glenn. It's a pleasure being here. Gerard, I, I, I asked this question. The obvious answer is the presence of Deshaun Watson. But how else might things be different for the Cleveland Browns as they come to Baltimore Sunday than they were a few weeks ago when the Ravens handled them with ease in Cleveland? <laughs> that is the answer because last time they obviously played Deshaun Watson just before kickoff alerted the team that he would not be playing, and that created a sea change, if you will, amongst the team in which on all three phases weren't mentally prepared for it and simply put, just did not show up for that game because they were all 
dealing with the fact that, hey, you're going against one of your rivals, one of the best teams in the AFC, and obviously trying to contend for the AFC North, and Deshaun's not playing, what's going on? So I think they were more caught up in that than anything, and now with him actually being on the football field this game, I would like to think that things are going to be a lot different from a mental preparation standpoint. So that was one of those situations, Glenn, where you were literally beat before you even got on the football field because you were thinking about the quarterback not playing as opposed to your opponent. You know, the the two games that I look at, Gerard, are the games after the Ravens game where you guys, I won't say it was a, a must-win, but it was pretty darn important that you pull off a victory against the San Francisco 49ers, which looked unthinkable going into that game. And then the following week, I know it had to be perceived that, well, the Browns are going and kick uh, the Colts' ass. That was nip and tuck the whole way through. How important were those two wins for Kevin Stefanski? Oh, they were tremendous. I mean, the 49ers game, you got T.J. Walker going in there and no one's giving you – a chance whatsoever in that game. And at the time, it was fair to say that the San Francisco 49ers were the best team yep. in the National Football League. And no one would have argued with you if you made that assertion. So winning that game obviously was a confidence booster for the team on all three phases. And then the following week, the defense definitely didn't show up the same level they did against the 49ers. But the offense and special teams found a way to get the job done against the Colts team that certainly took them to the wire. And some would even argue, especially if you're a Colts fan, that you were robbed of a couple calls that the officials gave you. So those wins were huge because if you don't have those wins, you're not in the playoff picture. You're not in a hunt. And pretty much some typical unfortunate stuff for Browns fans is that you'd be in a state of what you're normally used to around November, not playing for anything. But that's not the case. This game is, has playoff implications in my mind. This game should have that type of feel and vibe because the Browns understand that they can't let the Ravens get too further ahead, and they also still need to win some football games because of all the parity and the level of competition in the AFC. Yeah. So, if anything, if you look at this game, guys, when you guys came to play against us, correct me if I'm wrong, your offensive line was in shatters and yes. found a way to get the job done. And now, obviously, as you point out, the Browns at the tackle position are in a lot of trouble. Let me come back to that. I wanted Gerard, if I could, Gerard Cherry with us here on GCR. When we talk about Deshaun Watson being the difference and being on the field for this game, the immediate follow-up is, so So, what does that mean? Because it seems like we still haven't seen Deshaun Watson ever really look like Deshaun Watson again since he's arrived in Cleveland. And there's a lot of elements to that. Of course, yep. he was hurt earlier this year and all the time away. Do you see? Did you see signs last week? He played well, but you know, against a Cardinals team that didn't really have a lot to offer last week, did you see signs of him becoming that that dynamic playmaker once again, or do you still worry that maybe he just can't get back to that level? No, you definitely don't worry about that. You see the potential, and obviously as a Brown supporter, you're thinking the best-case scenario, not the worst. And what I do see is I see a guy who had touch on deep passes, and as we know, those are the low-percentage throws. Those are the hardest throws to make in the National Football League. So when you're completing passes 30, 40 yards plus, and making it look with ease, one would like to think that short and intermediate routes would be the next thing that you are able to conquer to get back on that bike or that horse, if you will, and start riding up and down a football field, having success that we saw with him having with the Texans. So I'm of the opinion that the, the promise, the hope, and the potential is still there. You see it in glimpses. It hasn't been consistent enough. 
I mean, if you go back to the Tennessee Titans game, it was certainly consistent. But other than that, you really haven't seen it. But the potential is certainly there, and I believe his teammates feel the same way that I feel. He gives us a chance. Now, if he wakes up and becomes the Sean Watson of 2020, then all bets are on. <laughs> you know what I mean? As far as what the Browns could be potentially with this defense that they have and the special teams play that they're getting. So I'm hoping just we have a re- redo, if you will, of what took place in college between Lamar and Deshaun, and which is where they had one of the best college football games of all time, yeah. where both those dudes showed up and showed out. Hey, Gerard, uh, give me a status report right now on how the Browns are running the football. Uh, I know what Deshaun Watson can do with his legs. I know what he can do with his arm. But when I think of these good Cleveland teams a couple of years back with Chubb and, and Hunt, you know, running the ball, tell, tell me what the status is right now, how they're running the football. Well, they've been banged up a little bit, Stan, and the thing that really is starting to come to presence is that they're starting to get used to being a running back by committee because, as you all know, Nick Chubb got hurt in the Pittsburgh Steelers yep. game, and it was kind of like, okay, who are we? What's our identity? Once you lose such a prominent figure in your offensive unit and backfield, but of late, Kareem Hunt's been very effective running the football. You have Jerome Ford, who has breakaway speed in which he can take it to the house, just like how you guys have with your backs as well. And then Pierre Strong, he also has a similar capability in which he can go to distance as well because he's a pretty speedy back. So they're doing it by committee. And with P.J. Walker, when he was under center for us, you need to do that. And on some levels with Deshaun trying to work his way back, you still need to do that because of the fact that, hey, he's not in full midseason form yet. He only has really three or four games on his belt. So our running back room is, is crucial to the success of the Browns and what they're trying to do on the offensive side of the ball. But, yeah, you do have it by committee, and you have three very capable guys in the passing game as well as running on the outside and between the tackles. So that said, as you pointed out, the uh, the offensive line situation, no Jedrick Wills. We don't know yet about Dewan Jones, but he hasn't been practicing. How much does that concern you about a Ravens team or about facing a Ravens team that leads the league in sacks? Hell, it's leading me up at night. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, how much it concerns me. Think about what you're facing. You're facing – I know it's going back and forth between the two, who's the best defense, but right now you have to give that to the Ravens for what you guys are doing far as who you've played of late, what you did to Detroit, what you did to Seattle, that's impressive. I mean, if you look at the Arizona game, okay, at the end of it, they got back in the game, but it was pretty dominant from the start. So you're going against a team who doesn't have, like I said, marquee names. I mean, you know who Jaden Clowney is, and who I know they are, but they're not like J.J., T.J. Watt or Miles Garrett, but you guys are leading the league in sacks. So where is that coming from? Your linebackers are superb, two of the best in the business, and they put a lot of pressure because they're sideline to sideline. I say north and south. They do it all. So, heck, yeah, I'm concerned about what we're going to do against guys who are inexperienced against that level of play at the linebacker position and physicality as well. So it's going to be one of those situations where the offensive line, Bill Callahan, who's one of the best in the business as an offensive line coach, has to mentally and physically have these guys prepare with the idea that we're going to get into an old-school, grinded-out, knockout physical football game in which we're going to give them everything and leave it on the football field. And who cares if we don't have anything left for Pittsburgh the following week. But if you want to win this football game on Sunday, that's going to have to be your mindset because the Ravens are that good. 
Gerard, uh, that's why you've touched on why I like the Browns not to necessarily win the game here in Baltimore on Sunday, but I think the game is so damn important for them that six points sounds a, a little too high for my taste, and I understand it went up to six and a half on some some books right now. As I pointed out those two games a few weeks back against the um, 49ers and then the Colts, if I look at your schedule the rest of the way, you've got this game against the, the Ravens, then you play Pittsburgh at home. After that, you've got a pretty – I'm not saying – there's nothing – there's no light schedules in the NFL, but you play some of the lesser teams in the NFL – does that make these two games even more important to you? They do, but they could also serve and say, well, because we have some pundits who are saying, you know what, they don't win these two games, or they even split them and season's over. And I'm like, not necessarily, but you do need to win these games just to send a message to the rest of the division. But you're right. I mean, you see the Broncos. You're going to see the Texans. The Bears, the Bears, the Bears, the Jets, you know. <laughs> the Jets, right. And – we have our success against the Bengals, which will be the last game of the season. So it's a very promising situation for the Browns to where they can stack wins. But also, too, just like I was telling someone about the Cowboys the other night against the Eagles, how you sometimes, even though you may lose, how you play the game can also build you with confidence. Mm-hmm. If you're saying to yourself, if you're the Browns, okay, we're missing our – we may potentially miss our two, right, two tackles, right and left. And if we can hold our own, and obviously the goal is to win, but if you can hold your own, that's going to build your confidence too, and you won't sink into the mire saying, oh, my gosh, we have nothing whatsoever. So it's going to be a very interesting game, but I am definitely concerned about our offensive line situation because we're going to have to bring guys from the practice squad and guys who are typically not seeing the football field and ask them to do what? Block against the best defense in the National Football League. That's no easy task or endeavor. Uh, before we let you go, Gerard, you brought up the Browns' defense and certainly have earned the right to be considered you know, one of, if not the best, in the NFL. However, the Ravens put together four scoring drives and scored 28 points against them. Do, do, you, do you think that was more a story of, hey, the offense couldn't do anything the last time and it just put the defense in bad spots? Or did Lamar Jackson and Todd Munkin have some of the right answers against this defense in that game that – you know, maybe nullifies the fact that overall they're a very good unit. I think it's a combination of both of the things you just said. On one hand, I saw spurts where the defense did shut Lamar down and did have three and out. And then once the second half kicked in, it was almost like, guys, just forget how to tackle. Please explain to me how do you leave Mark Andrews open? Why don't mm-hmm. actually you guys explain this to me? Why do all teams leave this dude open? I don't want to cover this man. It's nice. I, mean, I, I will tell you, Gerard, in the past, the Ravens didn't have any wide receivers on the field. It's kind of <laughs> nice this year that they did a, a, a crazy thing where they went out and got some wide receivers so you couldn't drive all of the attention towards Mark Andrews. <laughs> so it, it baffles me. But, yeah, they're so – and also, too, we've had issues with the RPO. So that yeah. has been a problem consistently, and you guys exposed that and to the Colts credit they utilized it and then a lot of teams also taking advantage of the fact that we like to get up the football field and so lure them in up the field and then get outside of board run past the guys who are up the football field so it's a bunch of things that you guys do but i also have the feeling too a large extent of it, it was just like i said when i started talking to you guys in this interview is that not lamar let me get my black quarterbacks mixed up here <laughs> deshaun. But, but deshaun watson 
not playing through everyone for a loop on that team, and they were they never recovered from it. And we looked up, Gus Edwards was running through guys like they were water, and Hill was doing his thing. And so I do think it'll be a better effort from the defense, but certainly Lamar Jackson is a talent in a half, and you only hope to contain him, but you're going to have to be aggressive with him as well. So I can't wait to see how we respond because the challenge for this defense is certainly going to be there. And I do think you'll get a better effort, certainly from this time around than what we saw last time in Cleveland. Gerard, I got to ask you, you got to witness uh, Jadavian Clowney play in Cleveland. What is he doing different or is he being utilized different by Mike McDonald? Why is he having a sort of a renaissance of his career right now? That's a great question. And I really think, simply put, he's, I, I mean, it, it came out that he was jealous of Miles Garrett. I, don't, I can't sugarcoat it. I mean, the okay. things he said that were, were inflammatory, and you simply put can't say that about your teammate, and he let it be known, and he ultimately apologized. So maybe it's just a situation where he likes how he's being utilized. He doesn't feel he's a decoy because he has an ego, and I can understand that. You're first pick overall, mm-hmm. top-tier talent, and what that entails. So I think more than anything, he just is happy with his role and how he's being utilized. And therefore, you guys are benefiting from it. Because believe me, it was I was not too happy to watch him have success last time we were. you guys were in Cleveland and he played. He played extremely well and he did some damage. He didn't have any sacks, but he certainly was disruptive. And so he certainly seems to be a guy who's enjoying his time in Baltimore and how he's been utilized. So I think more so than anything, it's just simply put, he's enjoying the scheme and how he's and how he's being utilized, and he's a focal point, and not seen as a decoy. Where's your uh, Where's your boy Bill Belichick going to be next season, Gerard? Oh man, I am. I keep leaning towards San Diego. Wow. <laughs> I keep. I say. I say San Diego, but I mean yeah, LA the Chargers, Chargers. right? Yeah, of course. Dallas, right? Yeah. Not yeah, the pa- so Not the Padres. Not the Padres. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, Not the Padres, certainly Chargers. It would make a lot of sense. There's obviously a desirable quarterback there. There's good pieces. It would make a lot of sense for him to look at that as a job that oh, he I think want. he loves working with Mac Jones. You think he just wants to stay with Mac wherever he is? Why wouldn't he? That yeah. guy's amazing. Gerard Cherry at Jr. Cherry on Twitter is how you follow him. Always appreciate you, brother. Thanks for coming on with us this morning. Uh, I appreciate it, guys. I look forward to being in Baltimore. Thanks, okay. bud. Gerard Cherry, of course, part of the Browns radio network as well. He'd be on the broadcast on Sunday for them. Appreciate him uh, taking the time for us this morning. Is that a rumor that's going around? Didn't didn't the Patriots just extend Belichick? Oh, no, the rumor has gone the other way. The rumor is that he might not last the season. Like, there was the Boston Globe said it's a non-zero that he ends up getting fired mid-season. The assumption is that it's over after this season. Didn't? didn't uh, did I miss something? I thought that uh, like two weeks ago they extended him like a couple of years, his contract. Uh, I don't remember that being a okay. Thing. Um, uh, I, I, the story as it goes in yeah. Boston is that I have a hard time that, that they were thinking they would fire him in midseason. I've, I I think it's unfathomable, but apparently there is a power struggle right now, and Jonathan Kraft is taking more control from his dad from his dad of the Patriots, and the belief is that Jonathan Kraft is going to start putting his stamp on. And while Robert Kraft is, of course, quite loyal right. and is willing to say, "Hey, the Patriots," we, we Drew and I had this conversation the other day. 
Griff, someone Griffin's age, right, no, has no idea that the Patriots were the Arizona Cardinals or the Cincinnati Bengals until Tom Brady showed up. Like right. they, people of that age only think of the Patriots as this model exemplary franchise mm-hmm. and don't realize they were the dredge of the NFL. Yep. Until that moment, they were at the literal bottom. The only thing that ex- that organization has essentially in their existence is the Bill Belichick era of football. So you can understand why Robert Kraft would say, hey, even if it's a mess, we, we kind of owe it to the guy to go through the mess because of everything he's right. done for us. Right. Whereas Jonathan Kraft says, yeah, we need to like not suck. And since Tom Brady left, we suck. Yeah. So it's an interesting dynamic there. And to the point... Could could there be the right people that have power that lean back towards Robert? Like it, it's such a fascinating yeah. dissociation. And you see nothing that shows that he was extended. No, nothing okay. about that. I, I was shocked, but I thought I read I think it. Before it the was season, apparently in the off season. Yeah, yeah, before the season there was he, an extension. Okay. Yeah. 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 And they but, just announced it. No, um, no. I think I think we knew about it. Okay. I mean. Um, but, yeah, I don't know why it's getting, coaches, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's getting reported now because a lot, his seat is so hot or something like that. Right, so they pointed out that that's why yeah. it's unlikely to come straight in the seat. But a lot of coaches' extensions are just hacking on another year mm-hmm. in the NFL. Like, when you do that, you just say, hey, Th- let's just... This was more extensive than I, than I thought. Here, quietly as NFL yeah. uh, reported on Sunday morning, Bill Belichick has quietly agreed to terms on a lucrative multi-year new contract during the offseason. Terms of the deal are kept secret, but it shows that the 71-year-old has been in the organization's plans at least as of a few months ago. So this This is... This was on October 22nd, this report was stating that there had been an, a and multi-New Year. For what it's worth, it, and this is a, I've got a backup for me in Rappaport here. That doesn't nobody knows what the actual terms of the right. deal are. So right. suggesting that it's multi-year, <sighs> no one knows what okay. the terms. And that's not unique. A few years yeah. in 2018, when John Harbaugh was perceived to be on the hot seat, I I did everything in my power to see if anybody had the contract details, and no one had them. So I finally had to seek out another league source and get. Maybe this is the old man quietly giving him a contract that has no basis on how long to let him coach. He just wanted to take care of him for for job well, or for if, job well or done. If over this time. was or the last year on his contract, no, right. you never let your coach, coach go, go into, into the final year yeah. of his contract. So yeah. it might have been that the way the contract was written, right. this was going to be the last year of the deal, and so they had to do gotcha. an, another contract. Gotcha. I'm not sure. But multiple, including Peter King now, have all said the contract will have nothing to do with right. Um, right. whatever ends up happening here. And the Boston Globe was the first one to suggest that it's not impossible, that if this were to continue spiraling, that they don't even get to the end of the season. Now, they weren't suggesting it would be next week. Right. More like if you get to week 14, week 15, and you're playing utterly meaningless games and right. everyone Let's knows. Let's just clear the decks. On right. That, yeah. Like, why why make everybody go through the, and suffer through the indignity of all of it? Mm-hmm. Let's just go ahead and make the move, and we know what's going on. We can go from there. And then they can bring in Josh Danielson. Yeah, Josh McDaniels, be, right. Josh McDaniels, who's been such a great coach. Oh, boy, has he earned every opportunity that he has. Yeah. Yuck. And burned every opportunity. Yes, he has. Um, look, I, I, 
I'm still in a weird place with this, with Bill Belichick, right? I'm still in a weird place where I, I refuse to believe that he's really this bad. Like I think his quarterback I, is I, absolutely horrific. If he just had, if he had Derek Carr as his quarterback, right? I'm not saying they would win anything because the AFC is I way think too loaded. They'd be close to 500. I, I think know. they would be competitive yeah. if he could just have a Derek Carr type as his yeah. quarterback. Yeah. So I still think he would have something to offer. And the point that Gerard Cherry makes about like, San Diego, they're the yeah the Chargers, where you have a quarterback. Would be and you don't have a coach. Correct. Would yeah. be compelling. Um, Stan, today's show, by the way, is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma. To reflect your unique personality and driving habits, check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. We've got a minute here. Free agency technically opened up this week in baseball. We've, we don't see it. This is not like football. where Baseball. Yes. It's football season. I understand that, but we got a minute here yeah, between football conversations, yeah. so let's do this. Uh, unlike in football where free agency opens and by that point everybody's already signed, it doesn't work this way. It's not It's not like you know free agency opens in baseball and everybody just starts signing. When do you think the Orioles get involved in any capacity this offseason? I don't really. In calendar 2023? I would think that they would do something okay. in calendar 2023. I think this year they will do something close to around or or shortly after the winter baseball meetings. I think they'll they'll strike some type of I look, they've got so many different avenues that they can improve this team. They can make a they could make a blockbuster trade, mm-hmm. you know. They could they could trade a Mountcastle or a Santander mm-hmm. or even a combination of them for the pitcher that they need and maybe another arm or maybe another play and a spare outfielder or something like that. But they also could sign some a couple limited free agents, not ones that are going to so, break the bank. So that you know. when I ask the question the way that I do, I'm yeah. hearkening back on largely in the Duquette era. Yeah. It was going to happen in the, in the next calendar year because it was going right. to be. Right, he was always waiting out. Let the, let the entire market set, <clears throat> and let's see who's still there after the market has been set. That's and, for free. That's the way Dan handled right. free agency. But I think the Orioles are in a unique situation that they haven't been in. That they have such a surplus. A glut, of trade, yes. a trade possibilities, you know, and and it almost requires in certain areas them making a trade, right? Like they can't come back this year and have Connor Norby and Joey Ortiz in the minor leagues again. You you just it you're shooting yourself yeah. in the foot yeah. to continue to just have major league players play in the minors. I, I I don't know. You could say, well, hey, it, you know, it could still be a good problem to have if you have injuries, but yeah. at some point you're hurting yourself elsewhere. In order to keep forcing this just to have depth that you may never use, it feels like they are required almost to make at least some sort of trade during the course of this offseason. Yeah, I think there will be some, at least one significant trade. And uh, the more I'm thinking about it, I think Santander has the most value. Uh, and while I like Santander, uh, he's starting to make starting to make a little money mm-hmm. they could afford them this year but being a year proactive in that regard i i think that uh, there's a possibility he could get dealt so let me come back to from a sheer yeah. free agent standpoint yeah 
do you see them dipping their toes into the water before? I th- I think something could be contingent. In other words, how do you? I think there's a player out there that I loved last year, and even though he's a year older this year, I love Justin Turner mm-hmm. on this baseball team. You know. Oh, uh, you've been you've you've yeah. brought that up a ton. I know. Yeah. I mean, he drove in like 90 runs last year for the uh, the uh, Boston Red Sox. Uh, I think I think one of the things this team was missing was sort of a veteran hitter. You know, a, a you know a a proven hitter uh, in in the playoffs. They just they didn't have they got lost in the playoffs. They really did. But there's two players that immediately pop out to me. And one of them is Justin Turner, who I think would probably command a two-year deal roughly for what Santander would make per mm-hmm. year the next two years. Well, Santander's going to make 12 this year in arbitration. Um, Justin Turner had a two-year, $23 million contract, of which he made about 13 in year one. So he it's a, basically a two-year, 12 24 million dollars that's what i think the the orioles would have to give up to get justin turner is two years 23 24 million dollars and i think they could get him okay and that sounds like the type of money that if they're going to spend that's well, about if they're the, going to wash if they're going to yeah, go wash saying, on on santander yeah. uh and then there's now, a pitch, for what it's worth, Justin Turner's also going to be 39 years old know, before the season starts. He'll probably be 40 during the season. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's the fall. I think it's right after yeah. the season. He yeah. has his birthday. Um, he, to me, he didn't show much of a decline. Uh, his numbers were down in 22, but the second half he was much better than the first half. This year, second half down a little bit, but the power numbers were roughly the same. I, I just like him. I, I really like the impact he would have. And who was the other guy? You said there was a second Uh, guy? There's a pitcher that I see out there, and we talked about it two weeks ago. I think Kenta Maeda Mm. would be a very, very interesting and not elaborately expensive pitcher. Again, I think you realistically have to give him a two-year, say, 17 to $19 million contract. Again, remember I made the point two weeks ago, the most he's ever made in a season because he signed that right. that crazy long-term Dodger deal where mm-hmm. he was like seven or eight years for $26 million. Most he's ever made is like two It was like eight twenty five. Yeah. yeah. So he'd be a guy I think who's going to be looking. He's 36 years old. He's going to be looking to cash in as best he can. He's not going from $2.5 million to $20 million, I think, but two years – 18 to 20 million dollars you might get Kenta Maeda and I think he could be both a an excellent starting pitcher uh more like a real good three uh better than Kyle Gibson but also if everything went right and you go god we got an extra he'd be a tremendous long man who then if somebody gets hurt during the season, you right. could plop into that role. I'm not opposed to Kenta Maeda. Yeah. Um. I. You know. Again. I, is there a higher end that you? I would like to go swimming in. Of course, there is. That but that that I see possibly in the trade in the trade market. Yeah. Right? Uh. And then I think they need to figure out. Look. The 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 market this year has changed so much 
with uh, players declining options and teams declining op- options. I got to look at the most recent free agent thing, really study it, and I'll be writing a column about that in the next week or two. Um, but uh, they got to, they'll have to pick up a relief pitcher of some ability, you know, that that can help, uh, if not if not take over the full load of taking over for Felix, uh, be in a position to be part of a committee, you know. So you're... Jordan Hicks stands mm-hmm. out to me as a guy I'd really be interested in. He might be a little pricier than they want to go, and there's probably a ton of other arms. So your can... your inclination is not to just say, hey, D.L. Hall gets the shot, and we go from there. I, I think that's too risky. Okay. Um, and, and I'm not writing off Cano as somebody who can get saves. To me... The most obvious in-house person would be Tyler Wells. But, but you know, we had John Smoltz on, yep. and Smoltz knows about Bautista's injury. He says, guy's a starter. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to argue with him, but I, I think he could do the job. I think we'd all feel fairly comfortable if the season started and, and Brandon Hyde said, hey, it's going to be – little bit of a committee, but Tyler Wells is my guy at the beginning of the year. Would you, if you are trying to trade for high end in the pitching market, yeah. would you be willing to pay the price necessary for Corbin Burns knowing it's only one year? Yeah. Um, that gets into my ability to know what they're thinking and what their finances are, what they're, what they're capable of taking on. Um, I... W- as a pitcher, I would love to have them. Of course. But I'm not giving them Santander and Norby. You I, know, I think the uh, word is that they'd be looking for pitching in return. Yeah. And the Orioles don't really have. Yeah, no, I don't I mean, see, like, you know. You know, could could they want a Povich or a, you know, I, I just, the Orioles don't really have that. Yeah. Like, they want to replace Burns with their next Burns somehow. Right. They want to that, find it. That doesn't seem like a fit. I don't think the Orioles would have yeah. the ability from and, – and, again, maybe that maybe they don't have that offer. Maybe no team is willing to give up that level yeah. of pitching prospect, and they just need to do as well as they can in a Burns trade at some point. But There's so many, there's so many like, different little dynamics to this thing. I mean, a Trevor Bauer. I'm not suggesting that they would go like vehemently opposed. I'm I'm not suggesting they'd go 30 million for seven years, but if you could get Trevor Bauer for one year, 25 million dollars, would you have any interest? Zero, none. There is wait. It's still we have done some gaslighting here where we've just taken Trevor Bauer's video and made it seem like he's proven that he's. It's not remotely what that video proved. What that video proved might be that this girl had it out for him, right? But it didn't prove that he didn't violently attack her in the midst of sex. Which, right. even if like it's consensual, that ain't okay. And then there's still three other allegations against Trevor Bauer that exist. So I'm personally, and again, I I'm not yeah. you know me personally. I think he's. No way. I think he's. Barking up the wrong tree, coming back this soon. I think he needed to stay in Japan and be kind of out of the out of the limelight for a while before a major league team would. But I think somebody will end up jumping in and no, doing. I'll be surprised. Yeah, yeah. But absolutely. it'll be that type of contract. He's not going to get oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. three years no, at a hundred million dollars right. or something After like being that. Being away for this long, no yeah. chance. 
yeah. look, looking at the closer market, trying to fill mm-hmm. that hole. Liam Hendricks is a is a free he's agent. He's not going to pitch this year. He's not going to pitch this year. He's right. he's got a Tommy, Tommy John surgery. Oh, really? That's, yeah. well, that's on me. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, David Robertson, Will Smith, maybe win his fourth World Series uh, with a fourth different team, the Orioles. I guess what I would say is, like, if that's the market that you're swimming in, I guess the the idea being any of those guys you could bring in, and if if DL Hall is worthy of taking the closer job, then that's just one more arm that you have in. But to pay money for someone, so so Josh Hader for some reason is not on your list. Oh right? yeah, he's got Josh a, Hader. Yeah, yeah. is going to be seventeen a free, million is what they're listing his. He's going to arbitration gonna, salary. He's yeah. going to be a free agent, right? Like he's going to be available. Texas is going to sign him. Yeah. You're probably you think, right about yeah, that. You're yeah. probably right about that. Yeah. But I like if you wanted to dip your toes into that water, by all means. But to me, if you're going to dip your toes into that, I just don't know that I want to pay serious dollars for someone that I would Here, say I'm not sure if he's even the best closer option on the team. Now here's a here's the thought: is getting back to my Kenta Maeda, yeah. and I made the big point about he's a number three starter, and and if not, he could be a long man. Ken Maeda is right at that age where Dennis Eckersley and sure. John Smoltz converted, to, converted yeah. to be relief pitchers. Mm-hmm. You'd have a guy like that, maybe not give him the closer role day one, mm-hmm. but say, hey, we're we're going to pay you two years, $18 million, and we want you in the bullpen. And he suddenly is playing caddy to Tyler Wells or caddy to D.L. Hall, and then all of a sudden they're not doing a great job he gets in there, and all of a sudden, you might have your your situation. I feel like the starting pitching market tends to be so robust that it's hard to get somebody to accept that immediately and not just say, "Hey, even if I have to wait it out till February, somebody's going to need starting pitching, yeah. and they'll be willing to pay for it." But to say, I don't think he's going to get more than that kind of contract, more than like a two might, year. And you might be right about yeah. that. I just think it'd be difficult to say to him sign up for not yeah. being a starting pitcher immediately when yeah. I, 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 just, I, I just question whether Elias would even pay that much for, uh, for I, a relief I pitcher. A, I think that's yeah. a fair question yeah. as well. Yeah. All right, into hour number two of the program. The Tyus Bowser Show will be back next Tuesday. Not, sorry, not this coming Tuesday, but the following Tuesday. The Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Exactly right. Thanksgiving week, November 21st. I knew that. Of course you knew that. You asked me before the show, and I told you, and then I screwed it up. I didn't ask you before the show. I asked you oh, during, during the commercial the show, break. All right, my break. fault. Tuesday, November 21st, we are back at Mother's North Grill in Timonium for the next Tyus Bowser Show. It's a partnership of PressBox and Great Eights Memorabilia. Brought to you by Superbook Sports, HelpMyGamblingProblem.org, and A.J. Michaels. Join Tyus and his special guest one week from this Tuesday night, November 21st. you got family, friends coming into town or coming back home for Thanksgiving. Make your plans now to spend part of that week with us at Mother's North Grill, an opportunity for them to meet some of their favorite players for the next Tyus Bowser show. Um, I, I should have asked you, Stan, real quick, your thoughts on the Craig Council thing. Uh, was very surprised, obviously. Stunning. Uh, thought, thought uh, you get fooled by something like this that's so apparent that he was going to sign with the Mets mm-hmm. that all po- everything pointed that way. But I'll tell you who was shocked as shit was David, David Ross. Ross. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not nearly. Yeah, we're not nearly as surprised as he is. And yeah. then what about Ron Washington? Uh, Ron Washington, as I heard his name uh, arise, and and Luke and I were texting back and forth. I said, I, I just have a feeling Washington's going to get this job. 
And he did. But can it can it make a difference? I just I feel like I hate saying it this way. It just almost sort of feels like it doesn't matter with the Angels. With the Angels, like, it does feel that way. It just it does feel that way. Like I, you know, get the job. Like I was bummed for Buck because I know he wanted the job, but why would Buck want that job? I just think Buck's want Buck wants a job. Right. Right. right like that's right. this is and the he'll job. have he'll have plenty of work. He'll have plenty on of work. Television? It'll be yeah, on television. Yeah, on television or somebody hiring him to be as, a, as a consultant or something. I like that idea. <laughs> I like that idea. Who's going to pay him? Uh, Griffin. Griffin well, can handle that. Quarters a week, yeah. pay him in uh, hearty handshakes is yes. what we'll pay him. Yes. Yeah. In the mortal words of W.C. Fields. Yes. You deserve a hearty handshake. hearty handshake. That's the way that we will pay Buck Showalter as he comes to us. All right, very good. When we come back in, uh, Bo Smolka, Press Box Ravens beat writer, is going to check in with us. Plus, before we get out of here today, we will. Uh, I want to introduce you to an event that's going on this weekend out in Cecil County, and we're going to hear segment number three of this past week's Tyus Bowser show with Justin Matabike. So all of that still to come. Stan the Fan Charles is here for a Friday edition of GCR. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at baltimore.org hotels. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. 
show. A partnership, a press box, and great ace memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, November 21st at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports, AJ Michaels, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? AJ Michaels. Heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for Pressbox Fantasy Football Analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your Waiver Wire Wednesday, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at... Wait, are people supposed to know about that? All right, back in here on GCR. I want to uh, stand the fan, Charles, very kindly. He and Jane just made a lovely donation to uh, Helping Up Mission, and I greatly appreciate that. And I will tell you that we – you know what? I take it back because somebody hasn't paid yet. So we do have one spot left in our first NBA. We're doing an NBA in-season tournament pool. And someone yesterday told me they were in, so I said it was – What's that? How much is that to get in? $20 to get in. $20. Half of it, so 15 people get in. Right. Whoever gets the champ, you get two teams. Whoever, and the way we did it literally. Do you pull them out of a hat? No, 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 no. We did. We took the 30 teams by odds, okay. ranked them 1 to 30, and if you got, and then you drew a number between 1 and 15. So if you got oh, okay. 1, you also got 30. Okay. If you got 14, you also got 17. You got the corresponding. Which gotcha. was uh, uh, Pelicans here. and the. Uh, who, what oh, right. Griffin. Griffin was I got not the worst. happy. I got the worst draw. I got the Cavaliers. Say that. Yes, uh, I did. Yes, I did. You got the Cavaliers and the Pelicans. Uh, the Cavs draw. are all injured, too. Like, they're not, they're not winning anything. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the last. You want the last spot? Now, have the numbers no. been drawn? They have been drawn. So, uh, you want to know who your teams are? You, drew, you had number 11, was the last number left. Okay. Right. You have the Hawks and the Thunder. Thunder could. You I'll know. take that. I'll take that. I don't know. That, I'll, I'll take that. That's Here, your. That you. That's that's your group. So, Thunder. so so Griffin got. Uh, we have we have officially filled the first pool. I'd love to do another How one. How many in season tournaments are they going to have? Just the one. Just the, the one. one in season tournament. So it's very and special. There's going to be yes, correct. Well, they're going to keep doing it. I think. And what is the purpose of the in season tournament? To, to try to make the regular season less. Irrelevant. Okay. I mean, essentially, is all that it is. It's just the regular season is utterly irrelevant. So, how do we try to pretend like some of these Friday night games are slightly more relevant? So, and and are they pegged into Friday nights? uh, I think Friday and Tuesday, right? Is the Tuesdays really? I don't know. There's another day during the week. It's like Friday night games and another day during the week. That all the games on that day in November. The day games. The night games. All of those games count towards this tournament. Okay. And then the, whoever has the four teams that have the best record in these games right. will go play in Vegas for a semifinal and final, which is part of the reason why I'm not sh- like, sure. Does that Vegas thing, do those games count to the regular season? Even more bizarre, the semifinals do, the championship doesn't. Okay. I, I got nothing, man. And all these games that are going on now that are part of it do, do count, count okay. towards the regular season. I just was glad I didn't get the Wizards. So who did you want? Oh, by the way, the Wizards. I do want the Wizards because then you, they'd be matched with number one. You would get the Celtics, too. Yeah. Mike Patrick got this. I don't believe the former broadcaster, Mike Patrick, different Mike Patrick, got the Celtics and the Wizards. Who would you have wanted? 
Oh God, that's uh, the, the problem. Nuggets? Yeah. I don't know. You wanted the Nuggets. The yeah. Nuggets uh, went through our friend Simon Habtamarium got the mm. Nuggets and the Rockets on the other the end. Rock- Rockets nuggets beat the, the Lakers Rockets. the other night, didn't they? That's true. The Lakers went to uh, my buddy Kevin Carver. He got the Lakers and the Bulls. I'm, I'm trying to think of, like who they would want. I would have like, like, wouldn't have minded the 76ers. The 76ers. Harden. Ben in San Francisco got the Sixers and the Pistons. So. Maybe the Bucks, yeah. The Bucks, Bucks I would have wanted. The Bucks and the yeah. Trailblazers went to our buddy Aaron and Bel Air. Yeah. He got the Bucks and the Trailblazers. And the, so uh, I've got the Hawks. You have the Hawks and the Thunder. I will tell you, Andrew is Bob, Stecka. Is Bob Pettit still no, with the Hawks? No, unfortunately, Bob Pettit is not. Zomo Beatty? No, Dominic Wilkins. Not Lenny alone. Wilkins? No, not Lenny Wilkins either, no. Uh, Andrew Stecka was actually quite excited. He got the Kings and the Nets. He got he had Kings the, are interesting he, team. He drew number fourteen, and I was like, ah, it's a bad number. But then I said it was the Kings and Nets, and he was excited. And he and I actually agree. The Kings are the exact right team that could convince themselves that this matters. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. because they've never done anything. Right. They could convince themselves that like this would be an accomplishment. Yeah. And play a the, bunch of teams that don't really care at all. Exactly about. right. Like they could get to the semifinals and be the team that's amped up. Who's their coach? To win the Kings team. now. It's um. Oh God, we know. You you know who it is. Yeah, I, do, I, I know. Yeah. Why am I blanking all of a sudden? Well, wait until you're seventy-one. Thank you. I'll get there. I'm not there yet, but I will. So it's Mike Brown. Thank you. Yes. Mike Brown is the coach of the Kings. Yeah. Brown could use this as sort of a. A rallying cry. I I, I could see that being a good draw. So how many total games are forget the semifinals and the finals? Yeah, how many using game- to determine who gets in? We are we are really selling the NBA in season tournament. Yeah, no, we're morning. explaining it. We're trying we're. to. It's very difficult. Uh, the format Is it like eight games, twelve games. It would have to be because it's basically just November. Oh, it's just so, so it's about eight games. Probably. So I think it's two games a week for no. So I think it's about. That's why I don't know that it matters if you got good teams or not. Yeah. Because it's just a random grouping yeah. of eight games, and you don't know who anybody's playing exactly either. right so could be the, the only eight games the wizards win all year so yeah that like, could very well be all of their wins could come during the course of the, well they already lost one so right, yeah. it's not the case They're but yes seven, yeah we have filled the first pool if you would like to start the second pool i'd like to try to fill a second pool this weekend because then we would have raised 300 more bucks over the weekend for helping up mission so again very simple just hit me up on twitter at glenn clark radio or go ahead Hit the Venmo, uh, Glenn Dash Clark, or the PayPal, Glenn Clark 180. All you got to do is send 20 bucks. If you do, I will send you two teams. We will fill one more pool, NBA in-season tournament. The way it works, half the money goes to the winner. Whoever has the team that wins the tournament, you get half the money. You get 150 bucks. The other 150 bucks goes to the charity toiletries and underwear drive that we will be doing this year for Helping Up Missions. So, Please let me know if you want in, and we will go ahead and fill a second pool this weekend. Joining us right now here on GCR, he is, of course, our press box Ravens. Maybe he'd friend. like to get in. Uh, he's done a lot of great. He has regularly been someone who has brought stuff out for us. He has been very involved. I have always been grateful to Bo Smolka for how he has helped us out with our Helping Up Mission drives over the years. He's our press box Ravens beat writer, and he's back with us this morning here on GCR. Bo, good morning, my friend. It's Glenn and Stan. Always appreciate. Thanks for taking the time. Yep. Good morning, uh, Bo. I am a uh, you know I'm in this sort of weird place where Stan and I were talking about it earlier. The Ravens aren't just according to numbers the best team in all of football. According to the numbers, they're one of the greatest teams in the history of football at this point in the season. 
And yet it still feels like there's a little bit of reluctance for us to accept that it's real. Stan pointed out, hey, that probably is because of the shortcomings they've had in the playoffs under Lamar Jackson, and I certainly think that's a part of it. Should we be believing that the Ravens are exactly as good as the numbers and their recent results suggest that they are? Oh, at their best, yes. But the, you know, the thing that hangs over them is um, they've, you know, they, they they've lost two games they should have won, and so I think that also has people feeling like, yeah, the numbers are great, but. You know, they have two losses. I read something the other day that said something like in this, you know, DVOA metrics in the past, they, they're one of the best numbers in the past, like, 20 years, and they showed all those other teams at this rate. And of all those other teams, none of them had lost two of the first nine. Most of the teams were 8-1. and one, Some were 9-0. and oh, yeah. And this team has lost twice. And so I think – I just think they're that, – that pumps the brakes a little bit because they absolutely could and probably should be 9-0. and oh. Um, and then you're talking about something completely different, but there's just that sense that there's been a couple of flaws there. And, and to your point, Glenn, I think that the playoff narrative will, will not escape Lamar Jackson until he wins a couple in the playoffs. Yeah. So, and that will only grow. That noise will only grow as it gets closer to the playoffs. Um, but there's nothing to be done about that. They can't worry about that at all now. They just got to worry about winning these games, especially these next two and five days. Bo, tell me a little bit about uh, Keaton Mitchell. Um, in other words, I remembered him fighting for one of the last spots on the roster out of uh, you know the uh, training camp, but then I haven't heard his name called or anything. Did did was that a surprise amongst the the people that cover the team daily that all of a sudden he got that type of look in a game like that? Well, so I, I'll say when training camp, when Tim, you know, I think in training camp, everyone always wants to look at the rookies and the undrafted sure. rookies always, people want to see who these guys are. And his speed and kind of explosive burst stood out right away. Mm-hmm. You could see it, the way he could beat, uh, beat guys to the edge. And he, he just looked fast. That's all there was to it. And he, he definitely opened eyes in training camp. In one of the last preseason games, maybe the last preseason game, he got hurt. And so okay. there was concern about that. And so that's why he ended up starting, you know, he made the 53-man roster, but it was one of those procedural things. And so the very next day they put him on injured reserve, and that set him down for a month. I think it was his shoulder, if I remember right. And so then you don't see him for a month. I think everyone that had seen him in training camp said, well, we'd like to see this guy. Right. Let's see if this, let's see if this guy can come along. And then they eased him back. He got healthy again. And he played in the one game, and I think his only touch was like a jet sweep for maybe seven or eight yards. And I, I think those of us that had seen a lot of him in training camp figure there was an opportunity for more there mm-hmm. because if he was healthy, he showed a kind of burst and a different running that they had with either Edwards or Hill. So when he got in that first series against um, – Last week, before the long runs, he, you know, he sparked that one touchdown drive with like four runs that were all about eight to ten yards. Yep. And those were those – were, that, that was – when he did that, like that's the guy that we saw. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say the thing that impressed me about those runs, even on that opening drive, the first drive he had was the way he was able to get through the tackles. And it wasn't a matter of just winning to the edge. He, was, he went off he tackle. Hit the hole. He hit the holes. He hit the holes really quick, yeah. And he, hit con- he, he bounced off contact, and he's not a big guy. But the burst and acceleration are there. So when he got that seam on his touchdown run, it just looked like he was going to outrun everyone because that's what we had seen from him. So 
you know, he came out of East Carolina. He's a smaller guy that probably hurt his draft stock. He's one of these guys that made the decision after putting up these huge numbers in the, in, um, at East Carolina to forego his last year at East Carolina and enter the draft. And you think it's a good move, and then you don't get selected. And mm. then it looked like it's a terrible decision. And then the Ravens, of course, knew, knew of him. They knew his dad, his dad played here. And so they were able to sign him as an undrafted guy. And, and as he told us after the game Sunday, you know, it, it just becomes you, you wait for your chance and you're ready when you get it. And he, when, you, when your moment comes, you take it. And he did. So the speed is there. The explosiveness is there. I think with him, the biggest question is, will he be able to stay healthy? Will he be able to take a lot of hits at his size? But he's, a, he's an interesting guy, and he's kind of a different kind of dynamic to this running game. And I feel like it comes at an interesting time, too, because as we've talked about all season long, unfortunately the mesh point issues with Lamar Jackson and Justice Hill specifically continue to rear their ugly head. And so it, I, I, I'm not suggesting that Justice Hill suddenly is completely out, but it feels like there would be room to say, well, if that's going to continue and this guy has this type of skill set, that maybe there should be a little more Keaton Mitchell and perhaps a little less Justice Hill. Yeah, I asked both John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson this week about that, the mess point fumbling problems. And uh, John Harbaugh specifically talked about one this past week and said it was a matter of spacing. Um, and then Lamar Jackson said that it was they're just trying to do things too fast and they get antsy. But the point of the fact is, to your point, it's only been Jackson and Hill. It hasn't mm -hmm. happened with Edwards, and it hasn't happened with Mitchell, who, if I remember, I had some big number of carries at East Carolina without ever having a fumble. But uh, you're right. I mean, if it continues, that won't happen anymore. The other thing about Keaton Mitchell to keep in mind, and the other reason he's attractive is looking down the road, J.K. Dobbins is a free agent, Gus Edwards is a free agent, so they're going to have to rebuild that running back room anyway if they let those guys go. So getting a guy like Keaton Mitchell in the building and keeping him for this season and for down the road is a good move. But I agree with you. I think that if the fumbling problems, John Harbaugh said, we, we can't put the ball on the ground, that, that can't happen. So, yeah, if, those, if that exchange situation continues to be a problem, probably if it's a problem one more time maybe, then, yeah, there might be more Mitchell and less Hill. Again, as long as Mitchell is able to stay healthy. And I noticed, you know, I was not out here yesterday, but he – was on the practice right. report at the end of the day yesterday. So we'll see in about 15 minutes when we go on the field whether he's there today. But his health is the biggest thing with him. Bo, Stan and I were talking earlier about the fact that the Ravens, you know, just played the Browns a few weeks ago, and obviously there was no Deshaun Watson. But what jumps out to me is they put together four scoring drives against what had been heralded at the time as the best defense in football. And – I get that Watson will make a difference and probably should lead to more prolonged possessions, but why wouldn't we think that it, the Ravens would be able to have similar success offensively when they're healthier, when their offense has been playing better at this point in the season? Like I, it's it's see, I know that football is not this transactional and you or transitive, and you can't just take one result and take it to the next one. But it seems like the Ravens are in better position offensively when they than they were the first time. I agree with that, and I went back and watched, I went back and looked at that game again. I remember the one drive was not really a drive because Brandon Steves intercepted a pass and he started at the ten. That's right. But their yeah. next two drives in the second quarter, they had like a ninety-three yard touchdown drive and I think a seventy-eight yard touchdown drive. Both you know marched right down the field against this number one Browns defense, and that was most impressive. And that game, 
they didn't have either Bateman or Beckham who did not play in that game. And so Mark Andrews was a big part of it. Mark Andrews has been a huge problem to the Browns his whole career. They just have never figured out how to defend him. And he had two touchdowns in that game last time. He's got nine touchdowns, I think, in 11 career games against the Browns. And so, interestingly, he has no touchdowns against the Pittsburgh Steelers in nine games, but he's been a monster against the Browns. He's just been a problem. So they are a better offense than they were that day, and they were able to sustain a couple of long drives. Um, And that really, to me, those I think were both in the second quarter, and that was the most impressive thing to me. They just kind of kicked them in the teeth on that. Yeah. And so that was most impressive to me. And and obviously on the other side of the ball, um, the Browns are without a couple of, of important pieces, namely Jedrick Wills isn't available. They might be without Dewan Jones. I I'm 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 I guess what I'm keep coming back to is like it feels like it almost is going to take Deshaun Watson like reverting back to being Deshaun Watson again for the Browns to feel good about their chances against the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens will tell you, and they're right, they didn't face Deshaun Watson last time. So, as you said, it, it changed the way the Browns played. It changed the, the, the number of drives that the Browns had. It changed how often their defense was on the field. And so that was, those were probably all factors. The Ravens have said all the right things this week about Deshaun Watson. We haven't really seen the same Deshaun Watson as we saw way back when, and, and that's, <clears throat> you know, that's the guy the Ravens hope doesn't show up this week either. It will probably take Deshaun Watson being that guy for the Browns. It's capable, and they still have some good players on offense. Of course, they don't have Chubb, so that's a big part of it. They didn't have Chubb last time. And so, it, you know, the, the Ravens' defense is playing as well as any defense in the league, without question. I don't know, the, the metrics, the Browns are one overall, but the, the Ravens' defense is just playing exceptionally well right now. And so I have um, <clears throat> no doubt that Mike McDonald is going to have this thing schemed up to cause problems for Watson. You're right, their offensive line is banged up, and so that could also be a factor that the Ravens will try to exploit. Uh, but it will probably take Deshaun Watson being, you know, the best he's been in a while for the Browns to win this. Or or for the Ravens' offense to, you know, make the mistakes they haven't made been making this year. Well, a player that the Ravens missed for a few weeks was Adafi Oway. And he came back last week, and he he showed he showed a little bit much better in in uh, in pursuit of the quarterback. Uh, your thoughts on what he might bring to the table the remainder of the season? Yeah, you know he was he looked good before he got hurt the first couple games too. I think it's there for him. Um, it's been inconsistent because he's been hurt. But in his first couple games this year, he didn't get a sack in that first game against Houston, but I remember it, but he got close and he was disruptive. And then in the second game, he was as well. And he got hurt, um, against Cincinnati. And he's, so I think he's looked good. And I think if he's healthy, he's going to have an impact. And it may be last year. They like to say, well, he didn't get all the sacks, but he flushed guys into Justin Houston or he flushed the pocket away. And then someone else got the sack. And that may be true. But I think he's going to, I think if he's healthy, he's in a position to have a big impact. And they've obviously gotten a lot of, out of Clowney and Van Noy, probably more than they could realistically have expected, honestly, for grabbing those two guys off the street. But they're going to need Oway as well because they can't count on Clowney and Van Noy at their ages to go extended time over 17 games. They're, they'd be wise to kind of ration them over the length of the long haul. And a guy like Oway is the guy they expect to do this kind of thing. So. Yeah, he's a big part of it, and I do think I think when he's been healthy, he's looked good this year. 
All right, Bo, before I let you go, I did for PressBoxOnline.com this week, I did my first half superlatives as the Ravens hit the uh, midway point of the season last week. I'm not going to bore you with all of them, but I want to run a couple and, and see what your thoughts are. I, I think we would all agree, as good as Roquan Smith is, I think we would all agree that Lamar Jackson would be team MVP. But um, give me biggest surprise for you as far as players go, biggest surprise of the first half. I would probably say Brandon Stevens okay. because I remember back in OTAs, Brandon Stevens was playing safety, and it looked like he was probably, again, they, were, they had Marcus Williams, they had Kyle Hamilton, they had Geno Stone. Brandon Williams was kind of viewed as like the fourth safety. He played, he played cornerback in college, came here, and I remember when he got drafted, they said they projected him as an NFL safety. It looked like he was playing safety in the, in the spring. And then suddenly these cornerbacks get hurt, and they ask him to go back and play a cornerback. And he's been, and again, Mar- Marlon Humphrey missed the first month. Brandon Stevens has been really good at cornerback all year. And I think if you asked in March, no one even thought he would be playing there. That's very And fair. so that's, that's, to me, he's been a really pleasant surprise. Uh, biggest disappointment? Biggest disappointment? Well, obviously, I would say, I guess, you know, Hard to say. I guess obviously, maybe not a disappointment, but J.K. Dobbins getting hurt right away. Yeah, you know that was can't predict that, but that has to be. That changed everything. But I would say that's you know, I'm off the top of my head. Yeah, I went with. I just went with the Steelers' loss just because of the nature of how it happened. Like it was just you know, how how do you lose that game? Uh, Unsung hero. Oh, uh, unsung hero. Huh? You're giving me a. on the spot here. Let me think about I'll tell that you, one. I'll tell you that mine was Rocky Scene, right? Like a guy that I don't think is getting any any recognition whatsoever who has just played really solid football all year long, a 44.3 passer rating against, which is one of the top ten in the league, um, and nobody's really talking about him. He's just sort of been steady all season. I, I, would, say, I would say two guys I might say actually might be – one might be Tyler Linderbaum. I, centers it's a good one. Are unsung. Yeah. Yep. And Tyler Linderbaum, to me, is playing at a Pro Bowl level. Now, I can't say I haven't qualitatively analyzed all the centers in the league, but sure. he is playing really, really well. You don't and do that. You don't do that every week. Qualitatively. <laughs> I do not do that. I yeah. don't. But he's been he's been playing very well. So how about for I, would, uns- I might say Linderbaum? How about for unsung hero Jadavian Clowney? Yeah, I think he's well, gotten some credit, yeah. but I I understand that the argument would be strong. Um, uh, uh, second half X factor to you, the, the the player who could be the biggest difference for this team and what they're capable of accomplishing the rest of the way. Yeah, that's a good one too. Let me say, um, I'll say Rashad Bateman. Okay. Um, I like that. because I think at some point, at some point, you know, Lamar Jackson's still not putting up huge passing numbers and he hasn't had to, but there's probably going to be a game where he does. And Bateman's a guy who obviously has been in and out with health. But if they want to get this downfield passing game going, he's the guy. I mean, he tried two deep shots to him last week, and he missed. They were overthrown. But if there's a game where they need to get in a passing shootout, he's a guy they're going to need. I like that. I think that one's a very good one. All right, Bo Smolka. At B Smolka on Twitter is how everybody follows you, of course. Pressboxonline.com to see all of your stuff. Always appreciate you, sir. We will talk to you again. Oh, I guess next week will be weird. We'll be talking to you after the game. Next Friday okay. morning yep. since they play on Thursday All right, night. sounds good. Thanks, right. sir. Thank you. Thanks, Bo. Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer. Hey, if you've picked up this print issue of Pressbox yet, make sure you go do that right away. Bo wrote about the uh, the college connections 
for Ravens players and how those rivalries still drive talk in the locker room. Of course, the cover story from Todd Karpovich all about the survivors, the position players from the Duquette era that have been holdovers, <coughs> Mullins, Santander, Hayes, and Mountcastle. Uh, a lot of college basketball in this issue, as well as Brooks Robinson tributes, all on that print issue of Press Box, available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. Um, anybody else that you thought that we missed in any of those categories, Stan, for our first half superlatives? No, there were some interesting categories there. We did. The I same- loved uh, Linderbaum. I mean, I I loved him when he was picked. Um, and saw he didn't have a great rookie campaign, but I I knew there was a lot of smarts, a lot of talent there. The guy, I I after I did this, the guy that I thought about more that I said I should have put that as my answer was actually Patrick McCary. Mm-hmm. We referenced this earlier when we were talking to Brian Baldinger that like they played for games without Ronnie Stanley. They played now games without Morgan Moses. Right. And, and he and he's, he's plugged in nicely. He's done all but, of it. Yeah, that's and a good point. No one's even noticed yeah. that there was a step back yeah. for the most part. Like I, I as I thought about I it bet afterwards. You his agent has noticed. Well he got I mean that's the, the goofy part is yeah, he got, got paid to do this. Like the Ravens gave him a nice chunk they, of change. They knew he was an important because guy. Because they recognized how valuable it was to have this sixth offensive lineman that could be sort of a jack of all trades. Right. So ironically, like they, it's not unsung to them. Like they know, and they rewarded him because of what they think his value is. But I still think it's remarkable that you have like a sixth starting offensive lineman that you have extraordinary confidence in, and that much versatility to step in and play. And in hindsight, I wish that I would have said that there because I do think it's been one of the better stories yeah. of the season. Yeah. I agree with you. Patrick McCary and his versatility. Um, We are continuing on here on a Friday edition of the program. We're going to tell you in just one second about a a really great event that is coming to town this weekend. You got any plans this weekend, Stan? Uh, This weekend, um, probably going to watch some uh, football. Yeah, you yeah, mix it up some, and some college basketball. Maryland plays uh, a reasonable game tonight against Davidson down in Asheville. What? Where could I watch that? That one's on an ESPNU. So that's the one online, right? No, that you you get that yeah, on. Okay, you. okay. Yeah, 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 okay, you have that one. And then on Sunday, unfortunately, I think they'd be playing at the same time as the Ravens game. So I don't think right. anybody's going to really be. There's a too noon game and a three thirty game, I think, or a one and three thirty, or something. something like that. Yeah, the the consolation of the championship in this event. So I, it's going to be a little bit more complicated to try to watch on Sunday. They would either play UAB or Clemson, and Clemson would be a good, another nice little early season matchup for Maryland as they try to measure themselves, but. Uh, also, the Veterans Classic down in Annapolis this weekend. We'll tell you more about that when we get to Totally Tubular. Before we do that, as I said, there's this awesome event out in Cecil County this weekend, and I, I, I didn't know anything about it. I found out about it, and I said, wow, I've never heard of this. I didn't know that there was such a thing as the Maryland Interscholastic Cycling League. And so we get to have the actual who, what, where, when, and why conversation right now with John Posner, who is the co-founder and league director for the Maryland Interscholastic Cycling League, and he is with us here on GCR. John, it's Glenn and Stan. It's good to chat with you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. 
Good morning, you guys. I really appreciate the chance to share uh, what we have going on here with you. Before we get to the event this weekend, when I say Maryland Interscholastic Scholastic Cycling League, I have no doubt there are people that say, I don't know what that is either. Yeah. So let's start with that. What is the Maryland Interscholastic Cycling League? Sure thing. Well, it is the Maryland chapter of a national organization called NICA, the National Interscholastic Cycling Association. And uh, we function as like a chapter organization. Um, and there are 34, uh, I think, states that have this program going on. Uh, and and it, it is just what it sounds like. It's a scholastic uh, bicycle racing league. But is it like, do you represent your school or is it just, you know, kids riding and they just happen to be of youth age? No. So this program, uh, it's open to uh, any interested riders, grade six to 12. Okay. And teams can, teams can organize through a school, uh, or if that's not an easy path, teams can organize regionally uh, as a composite team. Um, but kids are representing either their area or their school. Uh, on the teams as they ride, and and John, where do they, where do these races go on? I mean, in other words, where are the courses? Sure. Well, it, an interesting thing about this is you don't need a great trail system for a team to exist. Uh, the practices don't look like a Red Bull commercial uh, with people flying <laughs> off cliffs on their mountain bikes. Hmm. They are much more tame. Uh, you know, we really are the mouth of the funnel for this sport. So most of our riders are new uh, to mountain biking. Um, the races themselves happen all around the state. We've got one in Garrett County, one uh, this weekend up in the northeast corner. Um, we go out to the eastern shore with some of this, uh, and then our finals are central in the state in the Patapsco Valley State Park. And how many riders are there in, in, in the Maryland chapter? Uh, we're just under 700 riders really? and almost 400 uh, volunteer coaches. Wow, that's awesome. Wow. That's an incredible group. That's just in this this state? Just in Maryland, Okay, yes. so in the 34 yeah. states that have teams, if you collectively added them up, roughly, I mean, are we talking about a couple hundred thousand bikers? Uh, well, I think on the registered student athletes were somewhere uh, close to 30,000. But okay. um, if you think about like all of the lives that are impacted by this, you know, this is this is not like other sports. Uh, coaches, parents, everyone's invited to do the sport with the student athletes. Uh, so everybody's out on their bikes. And in terms of lives impacted and people riding bikes as a part of these programs, I think we're touching that hundred thousand mark for sure. That's okay. remarkable. So this Boy, Glenn Glenn has two kids. This yeah, would right. be might, perfect might be the, for him. Hey, they could use the path. Yeah. So I, I we hey, bring, send them on over today. Uh, you know what? We might have to get him out the uh, unfortunately he just got his tonsils taken out. So I don't know oh, that he can come geez. today. But um this oh, weekend oh, teach him some toughness, Glenn. <laughs> right. Uh as you mentioned, Nike, the the first the, the Eastern Regional Festival, the first ever Eastern Regional Festival and Championship is this weekend out at Fair Hill. Now, Stan and I were just out there ourselves a couple weekends ago. Are, are, is the course for this event similar to the course that we saw? The cross-country course for the horse racing five-star event? No, this is a, absolutely a different use of the park than okay. the five-star. Uh, we are using a lot more of the single-track trails in the woods. Okay. Um, some of those trails aren't really suitable for equestrians. So this event, how did it come together? 
who's a part of it. I saw there were going to be 4,000 student athletes that were going to be a part of this event this weekend. How did this happen? Where did this come from? Uh, this really came to be because of a realization that things are different here on the East Coast than out West where NICA was founded. Um, leagues have always existed independently as their own chapter organizations. But here in Mid-Atlantic, I mean, we drive across state lines to visit each other all the time. So we recognized there was a, uh, an opportunity to bring a lot of states together. And uh, we, we started talking about this a couple of years ago. And as it gathered momentum and steam, um, we started sending invitations out and everybody wanted to be a part of it. So we've got 11 leagues up and down the coast that are here with athletes uh, representing them. And then we've probably got another dozen leagues who are represented here by staff or volunteers uh, so that they can learn how to scale this and do it in their regions. So tell me about what's going on this weekend, what the, the touch might be for someone in this area. If they have a kid who's interested, can they come out and watch? Can they be involved in some sort of way? How could somebody who's hearing about this event for the first time get involved with it this weekend? Sure. Well, today is uh, adventure and pre-ride. Today there will be a series of non-competitive rides going on, and there's also course inspection and preview for the race course. So folks can come out to Fairhill today and register on-site. Uh, you can get a bike plate and go out on the course and ride the adventure trail with us. Um, then tomorrow it's racing action nonstop all day long. Uh, we would invite people to come by any time during the day tomorrow to cheer on the student-athletes who are racing. And then just for the group itself, if people say, okay, I don't know if I can make it out this weekend, but, like, I want to know more about this. I might want to have my kids get involved. How can they find out more? We've got a website, which is marylandmtb.org, and uh, there's loads of information on there. There's lots of stuff uh for people that are visiting our page for the first time so that they can get their bearings and see where to plug in. Um, this is the last event on the Maryland league calendar for the season because we're a fall based league and we're wrapping up uh, our year. Uh, so things will get going for us again in March and April for the 2024 season. Awesome. Awesome. John, this is incredible. I, I wish I would have known more beforehand, but it might be an adventure for my kids in the coming years to get involved john one last question for you are there like 34 john posners out there in other words does each state uh organization each chapter have somebody like you as point person yes each state has a a leadership team usually there's a one or two league directors at the top of that um and we're all working uh pulling in the same direction to try to get more kids on bikes and and build better humans with mountain biking. That's awesome. Sounds great. John Posner, uh, great, great stuff, man. Appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. Enjoy the weekend out there, and let's talk again down the road, all right? We would love to. Thanks for the chance to share this. Have a great weekend. You Thank you, well. John. John Posner, is, uh, it's a very cool event this weekend out at Fairhill in Cecil County, um, and something that I didn't know anything at all about, but just another awesome event for our region. You're bringing in from all up and down the coast, and this is the part – I think the people miss, again, if it's not for you, that's 4,000 kids and their families all descending upon our region, which sounds like they need to stay in hotels, which sounds like they're going to eat meals, sounds like they might go out and 
Maybe do some shopping. A hundred percent. Maybe go visit uh, somewhere this weekend. Play the Maryland lottery. A hundred percent. It sounds like that's a huge boost to the local economy. And so all of these events that maybe you're like, aren't the World Cup? And I get it. We all wanted the World Cup. I think sometimes we miss that there is significance to being the state that's hosting the Eastern Regional Festival and Championship for the National Interscholastic Cycling Association. And these are the types of things that Maryland sports uh, have been, uh, the, the sports commission has been working to make sure that we have more of these events here in our state because that's, again, I don't, if it's 4,000 kids, that smells like it's probably over 10,000 total people that are coming in to spend money in our state this weekend. In our region, Cecil County, probably a lot in Hartford County as well. Seems like that's a very, very good thing. Just a couple quick things, but getting back to free agents mm-hmm. and the Orioles, I was looking at the ESPN top 50 free agents. They have Kenta Maeda in there, probably about 16th, 18th. Mm-hmm. They have him. They have three writers that pick what team are interested in him. They have the Orioles is interested in him. I I said like two years 18 to 20 million dollars they're projecting two years 36 million dollars and then uh, you asked about relief pitchers and Mm -hmm. i mentioned jordan hicks they have the orioles listed there four years 40 million dollars but they have a that that's yeah four years 40 million dollars the other guy that's really a name that a lot of people aren't aware of is the rays had him last year is Robert Stevenson, and they have the Orioles is interested in him. Four years, $36 million, okay. which seems seems like a lot of money, but this guy was, his numbers in Tampa, and then going back to Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, his strikeout standings pitch numbers are pretty remarkable. So keep an eye on him, Robert right. Stevenson. Uh, you always you always end up finding the cost of pitching always seems to be like oh, it goes, just it's just just so out of control. I'd, I'd like to come back as a pitcher. It'd be really nice, wouldn't it? It'd be a really nice option. Hey Griffin, you want to let everybody know what's going on at Live Casino and Hotel? Yeah, over at the Live Casino or the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Uh, if luck wasn't on your side in a recent bet, you can turn those losses into winning opportunities with the second chance to win promotion. Because uh, between now and January 4th, 2024, all Live Casino and Hotel Maryland rewards members will be able to enter their losing bet slips into the second chance to win drum. And then two nights a week, 20 different winners will be chosen. Prizes ranging from Live Casino and Hotel Maryland apparel, sports and social ultimate happy hour, uh, as well as cash and free, free play worth up to $500. Strongs are going to be held every Thursday and Monday over at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Adirondo Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MD Gambling help.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, when we come back in, we will get a tidbit. We'll get tubular, and then segment number three of the Tyus Bowser Show with Justin Matabike. That's all on the way. Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Todd Karpovich profiles the Orioles' survivors. Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Ryan Mancastle, who all came from the previous regime but stuck through tough times to be key pieces in guiding the franchise back to prominence. Also inside, we remember the iconic Brooks Robinson with tributes from Jim Henneman and myself, Stan the Fan Charles, and a trip down memory lane to remember the most significant moments of his career. Plus, we meet players from college basketball programs 
programs around the state. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Hartford County. Gear up for the holidays by supporting local with Small Business Saturday on November 25th. Take in the dazzling sights of the season with a Ledoux Christmas at Ledoux Topiary Gardens. Enjoy holiday lights, sing along the holiday songs, reserve a carriage ride, and sit on Santa's lap in Bel Air's Winter Wonderland happening every Saturday from November 25th until December 16th. Nothing sparks that holiday joy quite like a festive parade. Head to visitharford.com and click on Events to see the full list of parades and so much more. In Maryland, you're welcome. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on, where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas in at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at baltimore.org hotels. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's it's pretty good. But hey, you're already here now, so why don't you go ahead and keep listening to GCR? All right, back in here on GCR. I'll, I'll, we can finish that in a second, yeah, Stan. Yeah. We'll finish that conversation. So we are winding down for a Friday edition of the program. Today's show also brought to you, or how about just another reminder, that Project Game Day returns this Sunday. Myself, Rita, Femi, of course, uh, Ken Zalis will be chiming in. Andrew Stecco will probably check in with us. And a rotating cast of characters that all hangs out for Project Game Day all season long. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. PressBoxOnline.com slash Game Day. It's all brought to you by Superbook Sports, AJ Michaels, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. So we're expecting some sort of news from the Big Ten today regarding Jim Harbaugh. Something is expected today. What that will be, we will find out, and you know, if it's a suspension, then they'll apparently try to go to court to file an emergency injunction 
because they're playing Penn State tomorrow. I, who knows how it plays out. But at some point this afternoon, we're expecting some sort of news from the Big Ten definitively about some kind of punishment for Jim Harbaugh and the University of Michigan. We will see how that ends up playing out. I if so, if yeah, if it's a suspension, he can can he appeal it right away or yeah? The, like, there is some of the details. So Michael McCann, who's the legal analyst for SI, was saying that they would attempt to try to immediately go to a court in Michigan and say that there's an emergency because of the game tomorrow. It's an emergency. Yes, in Michigan, an emergency. It probably yeah, yeah, they'd probably agree. With the thought being <laughs> that, like, they would find a friendly judge, right, in Michigan who would be willing to listen to it and We're give them Penn State today or tomorrow. I, I what was pointed out is that maybe the Big Ten, if they really want to make it stick, could try to drag it out as long as possible, knowing that a lot of because it's a holiday weekend, that different. I, I don't. I don't know if there's an agreement between today and Monday of which day is the federal holiday and which day is the state. I don't know how that works out because Veterans Day proper is tomorrow. But there is this thought that they could get some. Maybe the Big Ten could play poker here and make it more difficult on Michigan by late waiting till later in the day in order to announce the suspension to make it tougher for them to find a judge that be willing to give them a. St- I mean, like it is. How how old is he now? Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. 50, 57? I was going to say about that. Yeah, I was thinking 58. 50, I was thinking 57, honestly, is the funny part. He, he might be 60. 59. 59. Yeah. Would he be an interesting replacement for Bill Belichick? In New England? I think he, too, would say, I better have a quarterback wherever I'm yeah. going. I, yeah. I, I think if Jim Harbaugh is leaving to go back to the NFL, yeah. it, it can't be for a team that doesn't. he doesn't know has a quarterback. Well, he got Mac Right, thank you. I think what he would need is a quarterback, um, is the thing. I think he would specifically want there to be a quarterback in place for him to take a job. I think he would be... Willie Cunningham, yeah, he's up there, right? Right. P-Squad? Yeah, 100%. So I think he would also be interested in the uh, Chargers job, if that were to become available. I I guess the question, if... like It's it's funny because Sam Howell has continued to walk this line of playing well enough to convince them that he could be the guy... And to convince some people that he could be the guy, but I don't know if it's enough that it's going to convince Jim Harbaugh to right. go there. I I just don't know if that ends up being the case. I don't think Carolina moves on from Frank Reich after just one season. No, I would find like it's, bru- it's brutal. It's though. bad as bad gets, and more concerning is Bryce Young's look bad. Yeah, and so if they say, hey, even if we don't blame you, we have to, we have we, to we can't do- lose another year on right. Bryce Young. Like, he's got to look much better than this by this time next year. It's not impossible that they move on from him after just a, just one year. I, uh, Yeah. I mean, we've seen it happen before. There have been with other coaches. Team, with that team. Yes, yeah. correct, that have been moved on after just one year. How did they year. look last night? I mean, Terrible. they scored 13. 13. It was one of the worst football games I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Why don't you try to play guess the stats? What do you think Bryce Young's stat line was? From last night's game. Uh, nine for 26, mm-hmm. 101 yards. I mean, at, all of those numbers are very bad for right. what it's worth. Right. Last night against Chicago, he wasn't quite that bad. He, he had com- like 160, right? Yeah, 185 oh, okay. he finished wow. with. He did, yeah. and then some of that came at the end of the game. What was his quarterback rating? His quarterback. Well, what do you th- – okay. I'm going to guess 770. Oh, you wish it was 70. It was 48.8. Oh, sorry. No, it wasn't. It was 68.4. I had okay. read the wrong number. Well, by the way, by the way, last close. last night I sat with Russ Delin. Yeah. Steve Stoffberg yep. put together. It was really neat. 
and I ended up fluking into it because they had one seat there because I was supposed to sit with my buddy Rick Schaefer, but he ended up sitting at the Harold Solomon table. Okay. Okay, at the last minute. So I sat with Stopberg. Had a bunch of old Ravens radio. I saw people. There, uh, there was a whole crew yeah, that came out yeah. last night. Uh, uh, Scott brought out about thirty or forty people yeah. to support him. Uh, but I sat with Russ Lynn, the stat guy. He was telling me that last week's Cardinals, they the Cardinals last week gained a total of fifty-five yeah. or fifty-eight yards. Yeah, it was one of the most and, inept. And they hadn't they hadn't um, had a small. A less yardage game since they were in the mid fifties when they were the Chicago Cardinals. So the Chicago Cardinals finished with exact, or sorry, the Arizona Cardinals finished with exact fifty-eight yards. Fifty-eight total yards. Offense last they year. scored like in fifty-five. They had like fifty-four yards or something like that. Yeah, they were inept, yeah. inept. But yeah. So every- we'd agree that Jim Harbaugh isn't going there. To, well, they get Kyler Murray back. Well, if they want to keep Kyler Murray, yeah. or if they're it, trying it, to Harbaugh trade wouldn't go to coach him. I, I the question would be would the Patriots tar- target Kyler Murray? But I don't. The, the 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 question will be who has a draft pick that will land them a quarterback and who doesn't because the teams that don't have a draft pick that will land them their quarterback yeah. would probably be in the market for Kyler Murray just because you got to have somebody somebody's got to play quarterback for you moving forward but. Yuck, it is gross. And then what's Chicago doing? Are they going to move on from Justin Fields? Now, did he play? Is he, he hurt? Did not, he did He's not hurt. play last night. How yeah. did the other guy? He lost. all bad. I mean, just bad. Tyson bad, Bajan? Bad. Yeah, Tyson They love Bajan. him, I think. Sure. I think everyone loves him. Sure. Chris Collinsworth loved him. God, he couldn't have sucked anymore in that Sunday night game, and Chris Collinsworth was just like, see, these are the types of things that Justin Fields could learn from. I'm like, they're down – 17 nothing, and he just threw another pick. What in God's name are you talking about? He's going to learn from it. It was as naked and as embarrassing of just creating new realities as I have ever heard. Hey, I bumped into um, Frank, Collada, who's, mm-hmm. Frank Collada, who's the managing partner for Dex Imaging here locally, and he's a played football at Villanova. A f- uh, he's a Villanova basketball freak, mm-hmm. um, and he's very involved with the Cal Ripken Senior Foundation. It's, I has believe the reason big... why Jay Wright has come down to be a part of that yep. thing every, and now Cal, Cal Neptune has also been part of it. Right, but he tells me that next Friday's game, he's telling me where Maryland plays at Villanova, yes. he says Villanova is loaded, loaded. I mean, I buy that, but... Yeah. I, they also oddly put says that he's game. never had a deeper team, never seen a deeper team at Villanova than this team. Uh, he said one of the starting players last year uh, is now eleventh on their depth chart. Well, Man. that that part I believe is that they definitely had to bring in a, bon- a yeah. boatload of new talent. I that's that comes off a bit hyperbolic, knowing the types of teams that Jay Wright had over the years, like Kyle Neptune in a smaller sample size, of course, right? right? No, but he's um, talking about Wright's teams. Yeah, he says I, they haven't had depth like this. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, it's it's still odd that they put that game on campus. Just I, That's what I asked him AF. yesterday. I said, where's that game going to be played at? And he goes, 
he gave me the name and I go, this, where? This, this and he tiny, goes, on the campus, you know. It comes off very much like they were afraid there are going to be a boatload of Maryland fans that are going to make the trip up. And so, so it how many really people to that? 4,000? Yeah, I like think because I think we looked at it. It was yeah, like we, less than five. Are we going? Arena, are we going? I, I wanted to go, but now I think I have to do an event next Friday right. night. Um, I Actually, at one point, Ken, Ken Weinman and I were going to plan on driving up and going together. It can hold sixty. Well, it can hold sixty five hundred. It's 6, not 6, as small 5, as I 5, thought 5. it was, but it is a cozy. Yeah. Like it is a you're going to be packed in like sardines type of sixty five hundred in the Finnerin Pavilion. Uh, yeah, what's it's called the, name? the what Finnerin? Finnerin Pavilion. Finnerin. What's the name of the big building in Philadelphia these days? It's been the Wachovia Center. It's been the Wells First Fargo. Union Center. Wells Fargo. Is it no. Wells Fargo? Wells yeah, Fargo. I think so. Right, right, the Flyers. Yeah. And it's been so many things over the years. Yeah. I just want to know like if they if the if if they can hide behind the fact that there was another event scheduled for that night and say, well, we didn't have a choice, we had to play. It just it reeked when they announced it. Of you're assuming that there's going to be five thousand Maryland fans that are coming up, and you're trying to prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, next Friday night, there is no event, no event at the Wells Fargo Center. They could have easily played the game there. They couldn't they have played it at what is the convention hall there? Uh, is it called the convention center? There's a there's another there's so many buildings there. There's well, yeah, the but Palestra. The, but, but Villano- yeah, yeah. Palestra's like, but Villanova plays all their games either on campus or at the Sixers at the, Arena. At the Sixers, they, they only play in those two places. So the Sixers Arena was wide open next Friday night, and they're just not playing a marquee game there for and they wouldn't reasons. and they wouldn't be allowed to play in the Palestra. I, I whether they be allowed to, I just don't. I think what that does they that hold. Uh, it's about the same as their as building. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be more. Um, but I would think they would say we would lose money in that. Yeah. There's, there'd be. It'd yeah. be cool. It'd be neat to do it there. But. Seats eighty seven hundred for basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, man! I didn't feel. I'd been but to. There's the another year. building there. I saw a game at. Was great. The the Temple building is big. Yeah, Temple it, has the a Leah Chorus. The Leah Chorus yeah. Center. Yeah, yeah, that's a big building that they have. I don't. I'm trying to think of. They're building another. Arena downtown. They're going to move. It's called Convention Hall. Convention Hall. Lee, of course, 10,000, yeah. Yeah, it's a big building, man. Like, I. Philadelphia Convention Hall and Civic Center. And let's see. What is that? I don't know what that is. Paul Baker used to do bus trips to all around, and we went there. Oh, it's not. It doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't? The Philadelphia Convention Hall and Civic Center was a convention center, complex center. Yeah. Uh, it, right. it is. Did see twelve thousand people. Though. It was a big building. You're right yeah. about that, and it was the home of a it few was of these great, teams over the years. Great building. Unfortunately, it is gone. Yeah. All right. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit, let's do the tidbit. is brought to you today by. Oh, this one's brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota oh. Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, Giannis dropped 50 last night uh, as the Bucks. Actually, I, I don't even remember who they played, but they lost. The Bucks mm. lost, mm. and uh, Giannis shot 75% from the field. He had 10 rebounds and dropped the 50-burger. Uh, How the, the Hawks first. do last night? Yeah, it's important now. I don't yeah. know, but I don't know if that was a tournament game, Stan, <laughs> so I don't know if it'll help you either way. They um, lost to the oh they lost to the Jan, the fighting Jalen Smiths. Oh really? What team is he on? The, the, the Pacers. Okay. Wow. You know you know what's going on with Jalen Smith this year? What he leads the NBA in three point percentage. Really? 
Really? That's a Wasn't fact. Was Santi Aldama like Leeds? leading for a while last year, where he was among uh, the leaders? Maybe? I don't remember that. Year. Um, so, anyway, he's so, the first, Giannis. So what's your call it? The coach, the, the his coach at Maryland, Mark Turgeon. Mark Turgeon taught him how to shoot yeah, threes. Yeah, I don't know if that's. Uh, I don't know if we can go there. I don't know if that's. The um, he's the first player in NBA history to lose a game with those uh, slat with those those slash numbers: fifty points, seventy five percent shooting, wild. and yeah. ten rebounds. Uh, Caitlin Clark had an unbelievable night once again for Iowa women's basketball as they took down Virginia Tech. She dropped uh, forty points and had five five boards, five assists in a non overtime game, um, counted for more than what, half of the team's points and assists. Wasn't our former editor Caitlin Clark? I uh, know she until, was. She until was, she married Caitlin. Uh, right. Until she Caitlin Carr. Wilson, Kel- she was Carr. Caitlin Carr. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Caitlin. Um, so she beat a, uh, a top 10 team, Virginia Tech was ranked 8th, uh, and played the entire game. She didn't come out once. Uh, in the last 25 years, no Division One player, male or female, has accomplished all four of those feats in their entire career. And uh, Caitlin Clark did it one night, 45-5, accounted for over half the team's points and assists, beat a top 10 team, and played the entire game. Hmm. Um, she also has... I hear she's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she has four 40-point games against uh, top 10 teams since the start of the 2021 season. Um, no other man or woman has a single 40-point game since the start of the 2021 season. Caitlin Clark, awesome, must-watch television. Yes. I would like. To, we talked about. It, so. I want to go see both her and Angel Reese this year. We're going to go to the LSU Cop and Women's mm-hmm. game, and we'll go to the Maryland Iowa game as well. I want to see them both. Um, Gunner is a finalist for Rookie of the Year. By the way, the Maryland women play South Carolina this weekend. Oh, that is a big. It's a one. big game. Yeah. Big game. Also, unfortunately, right in the middle of the Ravens game. Not mm. great for us. At least women's basketball, you know, playing real games. Yeah, week. I would just like for them to be at times where they're yeah. more convenient to watch them. Uh, so Gunner uh, has the as rookie of the year finalist. We yes. expect him to be uh, to rookie win. of the year. Yes, and uh, he has the fourth best WAR by a rookie shortstop all time at six point uh, six point three was his WAR as a rookie shortstop. Can you name the other three that were rookies? Yes, better Ernie rookie. Banks. No, not Ernie Banks. How about Nomar Garcia Para? Nomar Garcia Para is uh, top two. He is second on the list, six point six. Uh, Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez. No, his rookie year was. Uh, where, uh, his rookie year was dreadful, I think. And then he came back and for his second year, and then twenty one, or he was second in MVP or something. But his rookie year was not good. Uh, Seager. Uh, Seager is just outside the uh, top four, top five. He's sixth, six point one. Uh, is this like a modern day player? Um, like yeah, nineteen seventy one. There's one, yes. Okay. Very, even way more modern than that. Correa, not Correa. Correa, his rookie year was four point one. How about Gary Templeton? Not Gary Templeton. There is one that is extremely not modern. Oh, good. Extremely not yeah. modern. Honus uh, Wagner. Yeah, that's what I was about no, to say. Not Honus Wagner. Ma, uh, Fernando Tatis. Uh, no, not Tatis. Tatis was, had a 4.2 war. His rookie year, very good, but not in the top, uh, top four, top five. Jose years. Reyes. Not Jose Reyes. I'm not sure what his was. Francisco Lindor. Francisco Lindor, close uh, again, a good year, but not, uh, not in the top five here. Not a six plus. He was 4.6. Number one had a 6.8 war in 2007. Tulowitzki? Troy Tulowitzki. Good In one. terms of war, the best rookie shortstop season. I didn't realize season. he was that good as a rookie. I did yeah. not realize 
is that? Very good. Uh, number three on the list is 6.5 with the 1909 Detroit Tigers. Well, if you would have told us that, mm. of course, that means it's... It's not Heine Minouche, was no, it? Stan, you remember. <laughs> I'm old, but not that old. <laughs> Donnie Bush. Oh, Donnie. Oh, oh Donnie Mrs. Bush. Bush. Mrs. Bush's son. <laughs> Fifth on the list, uh, 1942 with the Red Sox. A hell of a tidbit, Griff. Six point two, Johnny Pesky. Ah, Johnny the Pesky Pesky's. pole. Right, it's go. been a slow week. Do you want you know to do? The, uh, do you know what the Pesky pole is? Yes. Yeah. What is it? The, the foul pole, the right field foul pole okay. in Boston, in Fenway. Do you want to do CJ Shroud one then instead? Or I mean, I guess not instead now, but it's twelve thirteen. We still got to play another segment. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Is it? it eh, fine. Whatever. He had the most points ever by a rookie. Uh, fantasy points scored by a rookie quarterback. Can you do the top five? Most fantasy standard fantasy points Cam for Newton. a rookie quarterback. Cam Newton is fifth. Yes, thirty-eight point three in December. I mean, like, it probably isn't Lamar Jackson, but no, not Lamar. How about he, uh, yeah, Dan Fouts? Slow start. Uh, no, not Dan Fouts. The top five here uh, are all uh, Cam Newton would have been the most longest to go. So they're all since yes. Cam Newton. Yeah, they're all since Cam. Newton. Michael Vick. No, not Michael Vick. Uh, His rookie year, yeah. Joe sure. Burrow. Not Joe Burrow. 34.6. Joe Burrow. But makes him like 15th-ish. Justin Herbert. Um, Yes, Justin Herbert. Kurt Warner. No, you said after Cam yeah. Newton. Oh, after Cam Yeah, yeah, sorry. 2011 and on. But yes, Herbert in 2020. Baker Mayfield. 38-point game. Baker, no. Jalen Hurts. Mm, Jalen Hurts is just outside the top five. Patrick Mahomes didn't play as a rookie, so it's not him. Mm. Um... Kyler Murray. No, not Kyler. What was Kyler's best Derek game? Derek Carr. Not Derek Carr. Robert Griffin III. RG3, again, just outside that top five. He Andrew had, Luck. Uh, Andrew Luck. No, no Andrew Luck. No luck. No luck for no luck. luck. No luck. Uh, Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson, yes, in 2012. I did do the math there if he was after Cam yeah. Newton or not. I was like, wait. 39 points as a rookie. In, Who was uh, the Falcons quarterback when they went to the Super Bowl? Matt Ryan, but he would have been a rookie yeah. before. Not Matt Ryan. Not Matt Ryan. Uh, who else would have been a rookie after? Daniel Number Jones? Two. No, not Daniel Jones. Number two on the list, he was a same class as Lamar Jackson. Same class as Lamar Jackson. Oh, Josh Allen? Josh Allen. Uh, dropped a 41 and a half. He had the record before C.J. Stroud broke it. <laughs> and then... Oh, is that the list? Yeah, that is the list. Oh, okay. Stroud, very, very Allen, good. Wilson, Herbert. Excellent. Newton. Jalen Hurts was sixth. Excellent. All right. Uh, Tibbet was also brought to you by Superbook. Of course, you go there right now. You use the code Clark 23 or StanCharles23 when you sign up, and you will receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match win or lose. College basketball tonight. We are into the throes of college basketball season. Uh, Maryland, of course, taking on Davidson this evening down in Asheville, and the Terps are 11-point favorites. I kind of don't don't know that I love that, to be honest with you. I kind of think After I might like it the other way. Yeah, they were really slow sluggish. It was. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Not a lot of depth. But if you want to get in, you can get up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose, with Superbook. Use the code Glenn Clark 23 or Stan Charles 23 
Here's what's coming up this weekend, totally tubular-wise. I mentioned Marilyn Davidson tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPNU in the Asheville Championship. If uh, they would play again on Sunday, I'm trying to pull up what time the game would be on Sunday. It would Sunday. either be 12 or 2, I think. Or, or 2.30, yeah, I 2:30, guess it would have yeah. to be because they would need some time between the two games. I will double-check that in a moment. Um, unfortunately, that's not ideal for those of us that plan to be watching football at that time, but... So it is. That's just the way that things go. Uh, elsewhere tonight, the Veterans Classic. I mentioned earlier down in Annapolis. Always a great event. Uh, both games on CBS Sports Network. College of Charleston, Duquesne at 6. Temple Navy at 8.30. Tomorrow, college football. Maryland, Nebraska at noon on Peacock. CBS Sports Network for UAB Navy at 3.30. Towson's at Villanova at 1 on Flow Sports. Morgan's at South Carolina State at 1.30 on ESPN+. Plus. Johns Hopkins tries to finish off an undefeated regular season when they host McDaniel tomorrow at 5. Stevenson hosts Eastern tomorrow at 1. College basketball tomorrow. Loyola's at Brown at 11.30 a.m. Marist is at UMBC at 3.30. Coppin State, Mount St. Mary's out in Emmitsburg at 4. All of those games on ESPN+. Plus. Big college football tomorrow. Fox for Michigan, Penn State at noon. And then uh, Tennessee, Missouri, three thirty on CBS. I guess that one's big. Ugh. It's not a. It's not a great day. God, ESPN's got um, Ole Miss, Georgia tomorrow night at seven o'clock is where you can find that one. A uh, pay per view tomorrow night for the UFC fight. Yes. Uh, Prohaska and Prohaska, Prohaska and Pereira. Oh yeah, thank you. Portuguese Brazilian. Yeah. UFC two ninety five. Fox for Ravens-Browns Sunday at 1 o'clock, followed by Commanders Seahawks at 425. NFL Network has Colts-Patriots 9.30 in the morning on Sunday from Germany. CBS, the local game, is Lions-Chargers at 4 after the Browns-Ravens games. Of course, you won't be watching that because you'll be hanging out with us at Towson University as part of uh, our our big Veterans Day celebration. Myself, KZ, Femi are all going to be there for Project Game Day. Come out, but it's a great day all day long starting at 10 a.m. in the University Union. Come join us at Towson this Sunday for the Veterans Who's Day Towson celebration. Towson play tomorrow? They play football. Villanova on the road tomorrow. And then Jets-Raiders is the Sunday night game. You can't miss that. That's at 8.20. ABC is where you find the Maryland women against South Carolina. Again, unfortunately, it's at 1 o'clock on Sunday. And then Sunday night, Towson basketball at home against Robert Morris, 7 o'clock on Monumental. Anything non-sports-wise? Um, so that uh, that show that Brian Cox is in, uh, the, the, the James the Bond James show, Bond thing, yeah. 007, Road to a Million. That's on Prime Video uh, today. I, um, s- I, saw, I saw something the other night uh, look like an interesting movie on Hulu. <clears throat> Nicolas Cage called The Old Way. Okay. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, Nick Western. Cage. So. Western. All right. By the way, he's got two Westerns. He's got another one called... Butcher's Crossing or something like that. Nicholas I didn't know Cage. that Nicolas Cage had dipped his toes into westerns at this point. Uh, it looks life. like he must need money. Yeah, it might be the he, case he at this point. No, it came out back in January. Yeah, I mean, he always needs money, doesn't he? Yeah, Which one came out in January? This one. The, the old, old way? way. Yeah, it came out in January? Yeah, apparently. Okay, I, I think just it saw. had a theatrical release. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't know when. Looks interesting. Um. Yeah, let's check that out. Uh, got that, know, I'll, throw that, on, uh, I'll throw it on. I'll throw it on. It's got that venge, vengeance thing in it, you know. There is a, a show called The Curse on uh, on Paramount. It's with Benny Softy, uh, Nathan Fielder, and Emma Stone. I so saw, it looks kind of interesting. I saw this. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like I don't know. It's Nathan Fielder. Yeah, like, I get like it. Shot in a right. reality show type, but also like I don't know. They're all acting. 
I would look at that. The so the problem is it's on Paramount Plus with Showtime. You have to have Paramount Plus with Showtime. Nope. No. We will not be looking at that. SNL is going to be hosted by Timothy Chalamet. Um, yeah, boy genius. Yeah, boy genius. Guess. And uh, yeah, that is uh, that's that, that's it. Those I are wish the I liked boy genius more because they seem like the type of act that I should like, <laughs> but I just their songs don't do a whole lot for me. Uh, Chris Stapleton's got a new record out though, and I was listening to that last night and enjoying it a great deal. And then the Marvels, right, is out or whatever. Oh yes, yeah, that's in theaters. That's Correct. This weekend as well. Yes. You had uh, Towson Women's Soccer on uh, Tubular. No, I didn't. They're playing North Carolina. In oh, in the, the, NCAA, uh, tournament. In the NCAA, NCAA tournament. That's right. I should yes. include that. That's yes. a very good point. And tonight will, at seven, I think. I will. I will add that. Very good. All right, uh, stand the fan. Six, six p.m. You will be on with the boys tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning is the last of the, the batter round of this iteration of the batter round. Right. We will be looking into um, some new ideas, mm-hmm. and uh, that might actually be happening soon with a new version. But the final normal ten to noon batter round is tomorrow morning with Paul and Zach, and Stan will be a part of that. Yep. Then you, Ross, and Luke on Monday. Uh, Luke, Ross, and I on Monday, and then uh, I'll be chatting with John Eisenberg about his new book, which you've already discussed with him, uh, The Rocket Men. Very good. It is The Rocket Men, yes, right? Yes, correct. I might even still have it here. I can give it to okay. you. It's, I I'd love it. the it's glance phenomenal. at it. It's yeah. phenomenal. I read it literally. And we get these books sometimes, and I give up. Yeah. read it from cover to cover. Yeah. Um, all right, very good. Thank you, Stan. I, read, uh, I think the last book I read was like in 1970. I was going to say, but don't you normally read the Holy Bible? Don't you? <laughs> well, I'm very busy with that. <laughs> you were uh, looking at your favorite verse in 2 Corinthians the other day. <laughs> you said uh, it's important that it's our guiding light. All right. Um, hey, we might be moving the uh, time of the show on Monday because uh, Pressbox is hosting a little uh, Thanksgiving get-together in the That's afternoon. Right, so uh, be prepared. I'm thinking like 9.30 probably when we kick off the show on Monday and try to get out of here a little bit earlier. What time's lunch? 12? 12, 12. 12 o'clock on Monday. So we're going to try to maybe be a part of that one. So expect that the uh, time will shift a l- slightly earlier for GCR on Monday. That's the 13th, correct? It is. It is, yes, indeed. Thanks today to Gerard Cherry. Thanks also to Brian Baldinger, as well as to Bo Smolka and to John Posner. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God, it's so good. ...tab at glennclarkradio.com. The Tyus Bowser Show tonight on 105.7 The Fan after Maryland basketball, Project Game Day on Sunday, and then we'll be back on Monday morning. Thanks, everybody, at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including... Guilford Hall Brewery, Mother's North Grill, Live Casino and Hotel, The Maryland Five Star, A.J. Michaels, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Superbook Sports, Hartford County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass is how you follow him. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go Ravens, Terps, everybody, all the local Towson women's soccer. Go all of them. Duke sucks. We wrap up today's show. Segment number three of the Tyus Bowser Show with special guest Justin Matabike. Segment number three, the Tyus Bowser Show. Glenn and Rita, Tyus and Justin Matabike from Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. Where at, man, I don't know what you're doing on game days, but you need to visit the Guilford Hall Gilly Nest Bar at M&T this and every Ravens game day. Enjoy a stunning view of the first crisp craft beers brewed right here in Baltimore. A real-time ticker board for you fantasy fanatics. Heaters and plenty of big screens for you to enjoy all of the action. Also, Guilford Hall is hosting a great lecture series called Profs and Pints. Enjoy delicious beer and enlightening discussion. This week, the subject is The Real Oppenheimer, and on November 29th, Nightmares Before Christmas. Find out more at guildfordhall.com. 
All right, so I, I want to get your take on this. Not, I don't think you know anything about what's going on at the University of Michigan. I'm not asking about that. But the concept of sign stealing has become a big topic these last couple of weeks. And those of us that are stupids are like, well, we don't get it. Like, aren't you trying to steal something? Like, how does yeah. this, can you possibly, like, is sign stealing just something that we assume everybody does, and that's why you got to constantly change your signs? Is it, like, tell me about how sign stealing works. I'm, I'm honestly not sure how sign stealing works, but I know when it comes to game planning, I mean, I mean, we watch film. I mean, you could watch a normal game and you can hear every single cadence that they go, that they say. And I mean, we use that to our advantage and we know that part. I mean, we're not getting violent. We're not getting charged for that. Right. You know? You're not, so, but you're also not sending somebody out like disguised in, sun, si yeah. in glasses on the sideline or anything like, like that. Like that part is different. I mean, he could have just walked in like a normal person, bought a ticket and then <laughs> Pretty much was like, you know, let me put this, let me put this in my phone and be like, you know, I got. But do the you notes. go into games assuming that like the, your opponent knows what it is that you're going to yeah, do? Yeah, of course, because we run plays and we have code words for different things. So of course they're going to catch on to different stuff. I mean, that's why they game plan during halftime when they see some. Um, I don't know if y'all remember, but um, it was the Bengals game where they killed us and we was at home and. They did like a um, they did like a screen and go, and we knew what their code word was. So we bid on it the first time and we got them. But then that second time we heard it again. But then they did a whole different type of play and end up scoring off of it. Like little stuff like that that we catch. Like of course they're gonna make adjustments on, and so that they're ahead of their our opponent. So I mean I think that's just part of the game as far as when it comes to Yeah, I'm a I'm I'm very, you know, um I don't know what any of that means. Like you said, you can watch film and see, you know, yeah. and if it if no one is doing Peyton Manning things, which yeah. that's a guy that week to week was changing, mm -hmm. you know, what his calls were, then I don't, I guess, because he was there, it's considered sign stealing, but I never understood what difference it was from watching tape yeah. and seeing said signs and seeing yeah. said things. I think it's a little bit hard on, on film because there's really only kind of a, a sideline angle, there's only an end zone angle, and those are really like the two angles that you really only have compared to if you're at a game, maybe because of the camera angle, you're not able to get the actual signs because they're probably on a particular side of the field. So you will have to kind of be there to get like the actual view of kind of what they cause or signals as far as what they're doing. So I can understand it in that aspect of doing it, but. I, I gotta be honest, it's the most amazing thing about football to me. Like that you have to know what all of these calls are, yeah. exactly what your assignment is. And then, like, I'm thinking about like, you know, Justin's gotta drop back on some plays. We were talking to yeah. Pierce about being in coverage downfield a couple weeks ago. Like that you have to, and every week you gotta change it, you gotta move it. Well, in the game we might change it. Yeah. Like that's insane to me that we don't see more. I know every now and then you'll see clearly somebody thought they were supposed to do something in one situation they weren't. But yeah. it's nuts to me that you guys, that doesn't happen more frequently during a football game because you gotta study so much in that Yeah, spot. absolutely. I mean, even, it don't even have to be signs. Like you could just look at a formation. You could look at a person's alignment. You could look at a certain person and how, they position their body to where you know if it's going to be a run or pass or where this run is going to be at. Tight end is off the ball or on the ball where you know he's probably coming back to, 
you know, come back and hit you compared to him staying on the other side. Like small little stuff like that, yeah. we pay attention in film. So it's I think it's bigger than signs, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you don't it doesn't take anything if some like the idea that this is like, oh, this means that Michigan that no. no. I mean, when I heard about this, I was like, that's that's scouting, you know? <laughs> that's what I thought too, but clearly we don't know what we're talking obviously, about. Obviously <laughs> being a player in NFL, I don't know either, so if anybody and, else got answers, but football please let still me. comes down to you got to line up and go. You got to line up and yep. play football. When you snap yep. the ball, you got to do your job. I get that. Yeah, I get that. So. Justin, we're talking about college football. Uh, Texas, Texas A&M is coming back mm-hmm. as Texas is joining you guys in the SEC. Does it bother you that you never got to play in the Texas, Texas A&M game? Are you excited about it coming back? Um, it don't really bother me. I didn't uh, get to play in it because I just put in a position where they weren't in the SEC. So it was whatever. But I'm excited to see them get back in it. And uh, it should be just more buzz and just more excitement for college football for sure. It's a Texas on Texas rivalry that's kind of kind of being reborn. So I'm excited to see it, really. It's been a, been a tough season this year. It has. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. <laughs> That last call, that last play, uh, the last game got me mad, but uh, I mean they did fight back though. It was yeah. a good game. It was a really good game it actually. Was, it the was. game you were talking about against Ole Miss, correct? Yep. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. a good game. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, you know, well, not speaking of, let's switch gears here. Um, Halloween just happened. Uh-huh. Was there a party or anything? Did, did, you know, usually, I thought that the team usually has a party. That, oh, we laughing. Something happened. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, you, we ain't seen no pictures. Did, did y'all go trick-or-treating? I mean, what happened? I don't know. This year was a little different. Um, I'm trying to figure out kind of just how it all worked out as far as with stuff. But I know uh, Nelson Aguilar, he, uh, he set up a party, and it was kind of last minute. So a lot of people didn't really like tag on to it till late. And for the most part, they just finished playing the game. So a lot of guys was tired. But um, yeah, that was pretty much what he had. He just had like a small little party. Um, I forgot the name of the spot. It's right next to Select Lounge. Is it Select Lounge? Okay. Um, it's like right next to it. It's okay. a nice little venue. Garden rooftop, yeah, maybe? Garden. Okay. Yeah, we just kind of just chilled, just had a good little time there. So, yeah, it was real. But did was you put on a costume? Did, did, you guys, did you dress up? I dressed up as Bruh Man. Bruh I Man need from to the see fifth this floor. picture. I see, and like, I don't know. Like I said, it was just a it was just a very weird time. Like, I didn't even take any picture or nothing. Whoa, like, Cobb, yeah. does anyone have a picture? No, nobody has pictures. People didn't really like pull out their phones and you know record people. Do you like. know how much joy people get from seeing y'all in costumes? Yes. Yeah, and it was a few guys that was dressed up too. It was who pretty had the, good. All right, who had the best costume? I think uh, Daryl Worley. He showed he showed uh, his stuff on Instagram. I thought he had a really good uh, setup um, with his wife. Um, Justin, did you go? I didn't even go. No, nah, I was I was one of those guys. I was tired after the game. Yeah, so. man. See, like it was it was, yeah. Yeah. Man, do you normally participate in Halloween activities? Is that something that you do, or is it just like ah, I like just to watch everybody else do their thing? Yeah, I think I like to watch everybody do their own thing. Like uh, I just be chilling, you know what I'm saying? Just I honestly you know. couldn't see you in a costume, bro. You can see me. I in couldn't one? see you because I yeah, feel I like Justin would have been the perfect bruh man. 
He would have been the perfect okay, brum for I sure. <laughs> and if any, if you're listening, you don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about the Martin character, yeah, the Martin a man yeah. from the fifth floor when yeah. he put his four fingers up. But I'm, you would have been perfect for that. Oh, you would have been so perfect he, for that. He would have though. When I think about it now, <laughs> had we the gotta, low fade, everything like it we got to figure out what Justin is into, right? Like yeah. it's, it's starting to come out. Who was it? Justice who was out that like we just couldn't. He wasn't into. He was just. What? What? Justin? What are you into? Like, what? Get away from a football field. Um, movies, shopping, man. Some food, like foodies. You know what I'm saying? I be hitting people up like, what's the best food around? <laughs> I be chilling though, man. I be relaxing, man. Just okay. Like kick back, lay back. But definitely like where are the best food spots at. I'm trying to pull back back to the crib and watch a movie. What's your favorite place that you've gone for food since you've been in Baltimore? <sighs> Man, uh, Besides, of course, Guilford Hall Brewery. GuilfordHall.com. <laughs> Guilford delicious Hall. steak caprese salad. Which, it was wonderful. by the wonderful. way, he loved that pretzel as oh, we Oh, yeah, can I see. killed that pretzel. <laughs> that baby gone. No, almost gone. I was saying, so, like, uh, if that was 1A, then 1B would be? Like Papa Cuisine. Yeah, yeah Papa, Papa Cuisine's pretty good. Yeah. Um, Tagliata. Yeah, that's yeah, good. That's a solid spot. Jerk, jerk Taco. Um, it's like a local spot. I think spot that's in the, Hamden. I don't know, it's about the Charmery ice cream. Yes, so yeah. it's in Hamden. Yeah. Yes, jerk taco. Yeah, Charmery ice cream, shout out to them. I used yeah. to go there all the time. But I got to watch my weight a little bit, so I'm chilling. <laughs> uh, what else? They did a, that was who did the Lamar flavor last year, right? Like they did Yes, a, we did. We, oh, they we, did? And we yeah. tried, yeah, was I brought good? it in the studio, and we all had an opportunity of It was supposed to taste it. like a payday candy bar. It was a payday bar candy to bar. To like pay Lamar. Oh, right. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually it really was good. really good. It was really now good. Now we're going to have to do a pay Justin um, mm. flavor. Let's talk about it. <laughs> hey, real you quick. Ain't gotta you ain't got to blush like that. Look. <laughs> it's your show. time. It's your time. Pressbox 105.7, the fan. Hey, what company has the expertise and technology to make your home substantially more energy efficient? comfortable and even virus-free. It's AJ Michaels Heating and Air Conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis at AJMichaels.com. So here's the deal. But I, I Glenn, live on a farm. Real quick, Justin was over here blushing real hard. <laughs> <laughs> Just now, when I said it's time again. And it's <laughs> I'm, I'm willing uh, to pitch in. You ever want to come up ride a horse? We live on a farm. We were all unlimited. You can ride horses for the rest of your life. Rita, you gonna hook him up with like cigars or something? You gonna hook? Uh, that and I got five on it. Got five on it. There you go. A nice five okay, spot. Okay. You can't. You know, I'm not turning that down. Okay. Is that enough that it make up the difference to make sure that we keep you in Baltimore <laughs> oh, for the rest of your life? We'll see. We'll just have to see. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Man, like. <laughs> man, Tyus knows about getting a second contract. I know that's a big deal. I know it's also not. You don't get to decide that, right? Like I understand that's the way that it works. Can we assume that you would, if it worked out that way, that you'd be very happy about being in Baltimore? Absolutely, absolutely. I've grown so much as a player, as a person, as a teammate here. So, I mean, this is like, I feel like I'm a Baltimorean for real. So it would definitely be great. Let's make it happen. Let's make it. What are you throwing into the pot, Tyus? Being a teammate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A solid, yeah. hearty yeah. handshake yeah. every day. And get some him, good insight. Get him some NBA him. tickets, you know, for his, his, his dad. Yeah. That was Mavericks you know, I, when I he send, comes to town. I spent a few cash to get you on the there floor a little bit, you All know. Right, I ain't been on the floor yet. Yeah, All I'll right, be there. There, I there, you go. I got you. there we go. We'll make that happen. All right, back into division play this weekend. Uh, Cleveland back in town. 
Look, I'm not trying to take anything away from what you guys did. I don't even know what the right way of saying this is. You guys are playing really well. It's an opportunity to do it against a division opponent, right? That's probably about all we need to say about it. Yeah, we're just going to leave it at that. Yeah, right? Yeah, we're just going to leave it what you just said. Got, got work to do. Got work exactly. to do. That's the way that it goes. Um, Justin, I heard you on Sunday in an interview after the game. You said, I'm not hiding from it. I think we got the best defense in the NFL. Why do you... I did say that. Yes, I did. Why do you feel that way? I just feel that way. Uh, I just have that much confidence in my teammates, and I just believe in just the energy that we put out there on the field. We have each other's back. We're playing at a high level, and I just don't see us stopping anytime soon. I so, love that. Yeah. Tyus, we know we're not giving away, you know, mid-season championships around here. We know that's not what's going on. I love all these shots being fired right now. <laughs> I, I hate it so much. Gosh. So weird. Do you feel like you guys are the best team in football right now? I mean, I believe it. I definitely believe that. I mean, I'm sure he believes it. The whole organization believes it. I mean, you know, but, you know, talk can only go so far. You yep. got to go out there and do it. And that's one thing that we do well is we go out there and show it on the field. You know, we don't just talk yeah. it. We go out there and, you know, get the business. We stand on business. So that's, that's our mindset, and that's how we go about it, you know, each and every week, each and every day when we, you know, in meetings, in the classroom, on the practice field. We, we practice, we meet, we study like we're the best team in the NFL. So that's our mindset. Done. Done. Yeah. Hey, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Justin, is there anything we can plug for you, man? Anything? You came out, spent your time with us. First of all, shout out Justin Matabike for coming out here. Anything you got going on that we can plug for you? Social media, anything like that? Nah, man, just, uh, I'm just enjoying the process of just the, the whole season, man. Just taking it one day at a time, trying to stack these wins. We got big goals ahead of us, man, Super Bowl goals. So, man, I'm just, I'm just like envisioning, it, envisioning it and just putting in the work. And all, it all fall in itself, so I'm just excited. I love it. I love it, man. Give it up one more time for Justin Matabike. <laughs> Hey, this Sunday, Rita's bailing on me. She's going down to, she wanted to go to a big college football game this weekend. She's going down to the bayou to check out Florida and LSU on Saturday night. But the rest of us from uh, Project Game Day, we're going to be hanging out at Towson University on Sunday for a cool Veterans Day event that they are hosting. Uh, myself, Ken Zalas, Femi Ion Badejo, Super Bowl champion, will be on hand for our post-game show. The event starts at 10 a.m. It features workshops, speakers, and vendors tailored to veterans. So if you know a veteran in your life, please encourage them to come out to Towson University to watch the game on Sunday and then hang out with us post-game. Meet a Super Bowl champ. Looking forward to that. It's at the University Union at Towson this Sunday. Tyus, love you, bro. Love you too, man. Appreciate you. We will be back together in two weeks. Location to be determined. We will announce it. We, had, we have not finalized it yet, but we will announce, and we'll get it right this time, unlike, um, <laughs> unlike maybe something that happened in the past. It's Our sincerest good. apologies. Sincere apologies. Don't forget, use the code Clark 23 When you sign up at Superbook, you'll get up to $250 in a same-day first bet match. Rita, love you. Appreciate you. We will see you guys back here in two weeks. From Guilford Hall Brewery, this has been the Tyus Bowser Show.